Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. We are your hosts... Jessica! And I am Chris Eaton. And, uh, ah, Jessica! <laughs> got the return of a powerful guest. Yes, we do. We had, we a, lot, we had a lot of buzz with this gentleman. We had and, a lot of feedback. And he was very gracious to come back in. He's got a new book. He's here, uh, as I would like yes. to say, pimping. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sir, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, my name is uh, Ricardo Delgado. I'm an artist and writer. And, uh, of course, hosting this grand event, once again, is the uh, fifth Beatle of this podcast, sir. Introduce yourself. Hello, Mark Hanamiya, once again. <laughs> so, we're all sitting here in uh, Mark's lovely abode, and uh, we're just going to, we're going to just, you know, for better or worse terms, shoot the shit with Ricardo today. So, first off, Ricardo, why are you here? I mean, the main reason you're here is for what? What do you got going on? Uh, to talk about whatever you guys want to talk about, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> well, what's your new project you got going on? Well, uh, I, ha I currently have a series from Dark Horse Comics called uh, uh, Age of Reptiles, Ancient Egyptians. Mm. And it's the first issue came out uh, last month. The, the next issue, the second issue, comes out this week. Mm -hmm. okay. And so it'll be, this Wednesday, it'll be Apotheosis Wednesday, which means uh, I am master, or, you know, ma Jack of all trades, master of none, of two worlds. Uh, right. Uh, uh, that on Wednesday I will uh, drive from my uh, my day job at Disney Animation and go to a comic book store and buy my comic, which is a cool thing. Not too many people do get you, to do that. Do you not get comped copies of your own book? Yes, but I like. Okay, to, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, let's we get were going to have way. a talk with Dark Horse. <laughs> no, no, they're very yeah. cool about it, and, and they send family uh, uh, comps as well. So yes. they're really good about that. But I like to secret agent my way into the comic book store because nobody knows me and I mm -hmm. quite I quite enjoy that my anonymity is one of the things I most appreciate about myself and mm -hmm. uh, I like to walk in and there's a big crowd of people buying everything but my comic and I like <laughs> to buy I like to walk up and grab my comic and silently stand in line and then uh, pay for it uh, to um, people that ring you up that don't recognize me at all and and walk gleefully back to my car and, and back to work See, so you, you get like a small kick out of anonymity, don't you? I very much so. I I, I like the idea that my stories uh, are what people uh, go gravitate toward my subject matter, and uh, I have no qualms about my place in the genre pecking order, if you will. And uh, I just kind of do my thing. So That's what I love about this guy, super humble. Like, I was gonna say yes. There are humble, you know, very of, of humble people I've seen. Of, of you're amongst the humblest. I mean, I I have an ego, I, but and, uh, I like what I like, yeah. you know, and uh, I do have opinions about things, but in terms of taking myself seriously, I just refuse to do that. Right. Actually, I was with a friend on Friday. We went to a comic book store lo located in the Los Feliz Silver Lake area, mm. which you know what type of... Well, it's it's horrible to say. All kinds of people live there, but there's a stereotype that tends to live in that area. Yes, uh -huh. um, I saw your book on the shelf, and so a friend of mine she got her copy, and a few others, you know, I saw people pick it up. And then I went home, and my friends were like, "Oh, which comic book store did you go to?" And I told them, you know, it's it's the one in Los Feliz in Silver Lake. It's secret headquarters. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I was like, I was telling my friend. Uh, and she basically, she bought the Age of Reptiles one. They were like, oh yeah, the dinosaur ones? They were like, tons of hipsters buy that book. <laughs> and then I was like, that is great for sales, but I, I'm interested now in the psychological correlation between your book and why they go, they love it. They really like, I think it's because it's mainstream enough 
through a company that they recognize with mm-hmm. obviously everyone knows dinosaurs and Jurassic World just came out. But also they don't have to support Marvel and DC. Because, oh, you know, there are people who enjoy, they get a kick out of being very independent by buying independent things. Okay. So they were like, no, it's enough that it's not so far off the wall where they don't recognize it. They're like, what? what is what is this weird LSD book? I don't know what's happening. But enough that it's, you know, a good in-between for both. And so they were like, my friend was like, oh, no, lots, lots of hipsters buy that book. And I was like, oh. <laughs> And that's where okay. that's, that's where the other side of me comes in, and and I'm thinking I, I don't care what you are if you buy your book, oh yeah, you no, buy you the book, buy the book. I'm a happy guy. Yeah, people, and people who love dinosaurs, obviously, I know. right. And no. also bought the book. Right. Very apropos of the release, too. I mean, huh, you think? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's nothing really dinosaur related going on as we, you know, we talk about. Yeah. This. No, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, that was uh, clearly a deliberate thing that happened uh, many months ago, mm-hmm. and um, uh, the the parties involved, I guess, Dark Horse and I never never presumed that we'd actually kind of catch lightning in a bottle because mm-hmm. uh, of the uh, big summer releases. I think everyone was was sort of thinking, uh, well, you know, the, the the Avengers will come out and, you know, make a bunch of money and whatever. I think that uh, Jurassic World was kind of looked at in the second tier of uh, sort yeah, there, of the big there was budget. A lot, there was a lot of snark going on with it, especially with Star-Lord riding, riding with raptors. Right, but, <laughs> but, but it's, uh, it's pretty interesting as someone who works in the business a few weeks before mm-hmm. the release of uh, Jurassic World, the, you know, the studios can demographically, I guess the word of mouth, anticipate how much yes. the, uh, the pictures are going to open uh, yeah. on mm-hmm. that weekend. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it went from like 80 to 90, and then it went from like uh, from there to the next week, uh, 120 to 130. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it just shot up. And this, again, before the picture opened. Yeah. Do 160 to 180, and then it opened even bigger than that. Yeah, there was the, the like, it could break Avengers. They were like, right? And then that Monday morning, we're like, we did it by a million dollars, but yeah. we did it. Yeah. No, and yeah. I, again, I uh, I think that that's what caught Dark Horse's attention, and they've already actually actually said, hey, um, let's do another series. So, really? Yeah. Yes. Oh, so, wow. So no one no one knows that, and I guess this is breaking. You know. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah, an exclusive. Well, let's talk. Let's let's talk about the. Well, first off, I gotta ask real quick. Did you see Jurassic World? I did see Jurassic World. What did you think of Jurassic World? I I like Jurassic World. Mm -hmm. Uh, Having said that, I don't think that uh, I think that there's a different level of uh, of expectation between the actual written stories that Michael Crichton did and the actual pictures. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yes. And I I would also say that there's like a lot of elements involved. Like for example, in Eightly. You know, the audience is, it's basically a children's picture, I kind of mm. hate, but for the whole family, and it sort of defies sort of a lot of conventional sort of uh, storytelling, positively and negatively. For example, kids are the protagonists, mm-hmm. and you really can't, like, hurt the kids, right? Which makes it kind of tough to tell a story yeah. with tension and, and drama. Like, you know, for example, you're watching The Dark Knight, and suddenly, you know, um, Rachel Dawes, uh, a significant character, dies. Mm-hmm. Right, that uh, creates uh, a jeopardy in the story. Jaws opens with the death of a character, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and that launches the rest of the story. And yes. in this, in these pictures, you can't kill, you know, or at least so far, right? Uh, one of the kids, you can certainly kill the adults, no mm-hmm. problem. 
but that inherently kind of limits the storytelling. Having said that, there were lots of dinosaurs in the movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I was a pretty happy guy. And from a cinematic standpoint, there were things that they were able to do in this film, like the, like have the camera follow the raptors as they run along mm. the road, and you can actually push in, you can see the tails in perspective move yeah. toward you. Yes. And I, I just thought that was really cool. I thought that was really, really cool. Um, it's pretty tough to ride a motorcycle through the jungle and <laughs> perhaps conveniently flat area, but you know, <laughs> I don't know what to say. And I, I and I love mosasaurs, so <laughs> there you go. And uh, comedy always comes in beats of three, mm-hmm. and so there were three beats where you saw the mosasaur. And halfway mm-hmm. through the picture, I said, "Okay, well, there's where the uh, the annoying character dies." Mm-hmm. So there's one more beat with the Mosasaur. So I kind of was expecting um, the that, Mosasaur that at the end. But regardless of that, it was that was a lot of fun. I, I, I like the picture, is what I'm saying. Yeah, you can't really. I mean, for yeah, all, all the minor quibbles aside, when they give you a three-way fight at the end like that, I, I, I mean, well, that's where the kaiju side of me. Yeah, because, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, did they stage that in a way that was a little? Uh, on the undramatic side, Wait, like she runs right? off, she runs off. Mm-hmm. They have to, they have to have her call the the guy at the at the yeah. main office and say, "Open yeah. the T Rex paddock," and he mm-hmm. says, "No, why?" And she says, "Just do it." And then they open it, and then there's a, sh- you know, shot of her with running with, with yeah. But yeah. you could have actually just had her run out, <laughs> and then she runs back with the flare on, and the mm. Rex follows yeah. her, and everyone would have understood. Mm. What what happened there? Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, yeah. But everyone needed more Nick from New Girl, mm. so they had to. That actor is on the pretty okay. popular oh, TV really? show. Oh, really? So that, no that's why that. he probably there's like a screen. There might be like a screen time issue, like you know, like that actor. Oh, I see. Needs to have. Mm-hmm. But yours makes sense too. My friend was like that dragged out a little bit too. Yeah, like she, she runs ran out, there, just open She runs out of the shot with the flare. She runs back in. <laughs> she has the flare on, and the Rex is behind her. Having said that. That was still all really cool. Yeah. It was the Justice League of Dinosaurs. Right? It was. I was very excited. Especially the hero shot when the raptor comes back, when Blue comes back to, to yeah. team up with the T-Rex. That was yeah. awesome. I was mm-hmm. expecting the Spinosaurus to come out sooner or later. <laughs> I don't know. That's, yeah, I was a little disappointed that it wasn't in there. Like, if you're going to do that, like, because <laughs> as much as people give Jurassic Park 3 crap, I will I'll say I enjoy it more than I enjoy Part 2. I part, would agree with that. Yeah, because part three pretty much Joe Johnson. Yeah, Joe Johnson was just like, we're just going to have dinosaurs run amok. That's all mm-hmm. this movie's about. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to plow through steel fences. We don't care. Yeah, exactly. let's just do let's it. Just, let's yeah. just do it. Bone can break steel. Yes. And that's yeah. it. the scene when the T-Rex and the Spinosaur fight, it's like, it was before, it was pre-King Kong, like the new right. Kong. So it was like, right. you had like a little, it's like, oh man, it's like... No, it was just cool. gives a whole movie like this. So. That's cool. There's a bunch of artwork online done by yours truly mm-hmm. that depicts a lot of the stuff related to that fight that never made it to the screen. Really? So, yeah. Well, come on. Well, you can't I mean, category tease that. Of who cares? No, you know? no, no. Come on. Tell us. What, what, what would you have? Well, I mean, I worked on the film for about two or three months in 2000 or 2001, whatever mm-hmm. that was. And I spent, you know, the man, the majority of my time was spent on that film uh, um, working on the the sequence from the plane crash mm-hmm. to the um, Spinosaurus uh, Rex fight. Oh, and, wow. Uh, that sequence is in the film. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, I was kind of one of the ones that pointed out, well, the plane, how tall is the tree? Because the plane itself, how tall, how long is that? Because mm-hmm. if it falls over, it's basically going to be, you know, mm-hmm. um, 
uh, like a seesaw falling over as opposed to something dramatic. And yes. that's why yeah, yeah, and that yeah. led to the fi- mm-hmm. to them filming it from the inside, mm-hmm. which doesn't really show that the plane sort of falling over very safely and undramatically, mm-hmm. is my point. Oh, so that it adds more tension. Yeah. Like if it just went... Oh, it looks because of the size. It looks like it's a four right. foot drop. For That's the right. I, I mean, but having said that, there's just so many dinosaurs in in Jurassic World. I mean, you can't help but sort of like if you like dinosaurs, mm. that's kind of uh, uh, technically that probably has more, more dinosaurs than any of the other movies. If well, you think so about excited it, excited to see an ankylosaurus. See, yes. yeah. that was a, actually a fun sequence. And Absolutely. it kind of fights the. the and then, like, I scared. was like, oh, it's gonna die. Run, little one, run. <laughs> yeah, and so. <laughs> And it's funny, though, very, very selfishly, in the third act, I was thinking, you know, if a Spinosaurus comes out <laughs> and fight and joins the fight, that would be very good for my silly comic. Yeah. So there was, there is a Donald Trump side of me, despite mm. my, my vague nobility, or attempts at nobility. There's a Donald Trump yeah. in all of us. There you go, sadly. right? Right. Donald Trump hears this. Exactly. Months later. Mm. So you enjoyed it. So Yes. Can't, you can't, can't argue with dinosaurs fighting. Yeah. Well, no, you really can. And um, it's, a, um, it's, a, it's a reasonable story. Again, the level of storytelling and the writing of the novels is, to me, kind of a lot mm-hmm. different, a lot higher mm-hmm. in terms of expectations and what you as a reader are going to experience than the actual pictures. But, you know, there it is. <laughs> I... Uh, I enjoy both, and uh, I had a lot of fun with this one. All right. Well, let's get back to Age of Dinosaurs. Uh, yeah, Age of Reptiles. Age of Reptiles. I'm sorry. It's okay. Like I was gonna Freudian say, for player. those for those who don't know what uh, Ancient Egyptians would be about, what what is it? Ancient the the reference of Ancient Egyptians is essentially that this story takes place uh, in a form in a fossil formation that is in uh, located in Egypt. Mm-hmm. So, um, 95 million years ago, or thereabouts, Egypt was not uh, a desert. There were no pharaohs and, you know, pyramids and whatnot. There, were ju- there was just a, a very a swamp-like environment with a very diverse ecosystem. And this was my attempt to tell a story based on that ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I also wanted to do a couple of other things, which is explain that um, um, not not just uh, carnivores can be bad guys. Oh. Yeah, that's kind of the big thing that's mm. part of that first issue. And also the, the idea that um, I want to explore very thoroughly the, the theme of what is a hero. Mm. And that will be um, elaborated more upon on Wednesday when the comic book comes out. But... I feel like this is a very complicated protagonist that uh, is uh, at the head of the story. It's the Spinosaurus, and it's based on two movies that I really like, which is uh, Yojimbo mm-hmm. and um, A Fistful of Dollars. And, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, um, which kind of is Yojimbo remake. Very much so. Yeah. And the, I actually write a column in the back of uh, each of the issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in, in the back of this first issue, I talk about um, what is the hero when it, as it applies to the Western and the samurai story. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I have some you know pretty complicated thoughts there. They're sort of based on you know my childhood and my growing up, and so that kind of hopefully lends a little bit of a um, 
a uh, I don't know uh, a shelf where you can sort of look at this place a story there and look at it hopefully on a few different levels. So mm-hmm. yeah, like those char- those two characters played so magnificently by Toshiro Mifune and Clint Eastwood. You know they do good and they do bad, and they were sort of. Uh, they're anti-heroes. They're anti-heroes. Yeah. You know, Snake Plissken is another one that comes to mind mm. as well. Which who is also just, uh, he's a kind of a, a, a Frankenstein of those of those actual two actors. Right, yeah. right. And Even good John Carpenter said, it's like, yeah, he's very much those two guys. Yeah, and I, I just find that to be, um, I, I found it a challenge to tell a story, a complex story about a character that says mm. nothing and can't speak. And um, I feel like this is kind of the opening up of uh, a lot of different story possibilities for my um, my silly comic book. I like I like the idea of samurai spinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it certainly brings to mind um, you know like something that you might see in the Ninja Turtles universe, which is mm-hmm. cool, you know. Uh, but I also kind of feel like um, there's infinite amount of story possibilities for uh, for different characters. Uh, characters and categorizations mm-hmm. in 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 this setting, not just in in the Baharia formation in Egypt, ninety five million years ago, but I also want to jump back and forth between different layers of strata and around the world. You know, like I'm giving heavy consideration to uh, setting a story in um, in China because Ooh. there's. Yeah, because yeah. there's a heavy. Well, there's like, a lot of there's, there's a, a lot, lot of dinosaurs. dinosaurs yeah. There's there. a lot of dinosaurs there, and um, I would really like to explain to, I guess, the world as I say that you know I cringe when I speak like that <laughs> actually, but um, I think it's important to show that there's dinosaurs all over the world. You They're know? pretty much done on every single continent at, at this. Very point. much so. Yeah. Even Antarctica. Yeah, Antarctica's is. Uh, <clears throat> Is inherently a uh, you know Antarctica was not Antarctica. It no. was not frozen in the in the sense that we know now. It was almost. Uh, I mean, it was it was a bit of a force. It was a, it was a tropical jungle. Yeah, yeah. Almost, very uh, almost what like Lovecraft wrote about at some point. Very much so. And I you know again that's those are kind of themes that I kind of want to build upon. And I um, I um, I have a single protagonist in the story. Mm. He might even be the the single antagonist, actually. But uh, I, I find uh, uh, I found through the process of telling the story that uh, it was possible to to um, to do any kind of scenario with any kind of uh, character. You just happen to have have a dinosaur. Before this, there was an eight page short story that was published last year called Baby Turtles, and it's essentially yeah. an eight page story where with Page one and page eight are are single pages, and the middle three pages between two and seven are three are it's a triptych basically mm-hmm. three images next to each other, yes. mm-hmm. and they explain yeah. the journey of all these little turtles from birth all the way through all these enormous predators and out into the ocean, you know. And sort of thematically, it's a very simple yeah. and simplistic way of saying, you know, life, life, you know, life moves on. You know, and so it, it um, finds a way. It finds a way to quote Mr. Goldblum, and I, I really, uh, I enjoy telling uh, stories in a, from a variety of different angles. I just happen to love dinosaurs, and and they are. I don't think I'll ever have a single protagonist. I think my stories will be about dinosaurs, in kind of in a 
Not in a way that like Mike Mignola's stories are about Hellboy, for example, mm-hmm. or um, Jeff's uh, stories are about the Shaolin Cowboy, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just feel like uh, my story, uh, my stories will be more for the general idea of like, well, uh, I want readers to to pick up my comic books because the unexpected is coming, not because of the expected. Mm-hmm. And that was yeah. kind of an important thing that I feel like I, I proved in this story. And how many issues is in your series? It's four issues. The second issue comes out this week. And then issues uh, three and four will be out the first week of August and the first week of September. Oh, so you're taking it. Oh, yeah, because July. Yeah, we're already on July. Oh, my God, we're already on July. Yeah, Yeah, we're we're already on to July. (laughs) Well, and uh, like I was saying to you guys before we started, uh, I just finished, um, you know, the comic book inking the issue four last Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I just finished doing value studies for issue four today. So... Mm -hmm. Um, issue four is very nearly put to bed uh, as soon as the color work is done. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And for those who don't know, it's a silent. Uh, there's uh, no description. There's no, there's, yeah. There's no sound effects. There's no rawr. There's no. There's no letter. Like basically, there's it's a we, it's what we call like a silent comic or a si- like wordless sequential art. Yes. Owly no does text. it. No. Yeah, Owly does it over in Top Shelf, and many people actually commend that because they feel like. It gives the writer and the artist even more time to really convey emotions, and the readers really have to catch it. Because I have many friends who are like, oh, I didn't even know so-and-so was in the background, because you're so busy reading the text that they'll go back, reread the comic, and realize all these little Easter eggs that were put in there. So the words are great, but they can also be a dis- distraction for some. But I think silent comics are absolutely amazing because I think they can convey so much more. People loved Wally for the reasons of that, that there's really no talking. Oh, Wally the Pixar yeah, film. Yeah, Pixar, despite okay. certain words, okay. um, until the very end. Okay. Uh, currently, right now, all the Hello Kitty comics done by Viz Media, no words. Oh. So you, when you read them, you mm-hmm. really need to pay attention to the art and what the writer is also trying to convey. There were, there were very really important. a couple of good uh, issues of G.I. Joe back in the, mm-hmm. the 80s. They were, mm-hmm. they were called Silent Interlude. For a while, they were doing one a year. And uh, those were actually very well done. They're very, yeah. yeah. Well, you certainly, every image has to, in that situation, has to further the story. Mm-hmm. And that's where my experience as a storyboard artist comes into play because... There's times where I'll literally, I'll lay out the comic in rough form on a little um, piece of, uh, on a small notebook, mm-hmm. and even like from page to page, but if I get stuck story-wise, I'll, I'll just move ahead and like storyboard it out, and then I'll put those panels in, and I'll lay it out graphically into the page that way. So it's, everything should be absolutely clear within the context of, uh, of the story. Now, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to have more than one thing going on in a panel, which is uh, sometimes easy, sometimes not. But uh, I think it's uh, it helps the secondary and and the third time, the third pass of the story, if you will. So that if it's just one linear story, I don't think that's a good thing. Um, but I do kind of try to put stuff going on in corners here and there. Time of day is important for me as well. That's kind of why, I, like I said, I do I do grayscale studies of each of the um, each of the pages because. Time of day is really important to me. Off-screen shadows, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. You know, make it very clear what's what's in water, for example. Like I have, 
Uh, I don't want to give anything away, but there's a uh, in issue four. There's a, a character that dives in water, but is or her or the, their mm-hmm. hands are bloody, their claws are bloody, and it's a uh, it's the water has to actually wash the uh, the blood off the claws, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to sort of think about it in terms of uh, what the what the story is saying from a symbolic standpoint, right? Sort of the water washing out the blood. There's mm-hmm. a lot of symbolism that trying to weave into a, a silly story about some some dinosaurs running around and barking at each other, right? But I am trying to sort of set up some kind of subtext underneath and symbolism, and you know, um, I'm hoping it works out. You're writing poetry with dinosaurs. Well, you know, <laughs> I don't know about that, but I appreciate. What well, one could uh, argue? I mean, I mean, look, you're you're what well, you're obviously doing. You're maximizing the visual aspect of comic books. Um, as she was saying, it's like, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of people that are real dialogue heavy. And like, you're just like, because they just, you know, that's how they work. They, they're thinking dialogue, so they just have characters talk and talk and talk. With you, it's just, you're sitting there and you're just watching the images unfold and you're picking it up. I mean, that's, some would, just, and a lot of people argue that's the, that's the greatest compliment of any visual, you know, uh, maker of any sort, any medium. It's like, if you can convey a message without having to speak one thing and people get exactly what you're talking about, you've, Pretty much mastered what you know the you know that art. One of the things that was really important for me, I guess, in the formation of all this stuff. Now that I think about it, is uh, in the '90s I was um, I was really big into Miyazaki stuff. Okay, mm-hmm. and so I who used, isn't? <laughs> it's awesome. And you know, in theory, back then one could go to a convention and buy dupes, VHS dupes oh, of yeah. Miyazaki stuff. In theory, yeah. right? Yeah, because that's illegal. And yeah, you're not allowed to do that. But <laughs> if someone did that mm-hmm. and were to be watching that stuff over and over, and watching the actual original sort of uh, so uh, Japanese um, um, voice stuff. And sound effects, right? Um, it, it was really important for me that upon observation that I could understand what was going on mm-hmm. in, for example, Porco Rosso, right? Or Totoro, which is a very simple, mm-hmm. but yet yes. very poignant and uh, very symbolic story. And uh, I think I learned a lot of my chops by watching those films repeatedly. Porco Rose was a masterpiece. I uh, love Porco Rose. Well, there's some compositions in there that are just uh, really cool with airplanes that I still have to rip off for <laughs> for a, ter- a pterodactyl story. Let's put it that way. There's some amazing, like you know, and again as a storyboard artist, mm-hmm. there's a, that stuff starts to kind of weave itself together. There's a wing. There's a movie called Wings of Oniamas. Mm-hmm. That well. on Apollo 13, we looked at over and over and over again. And I, I showed that to the producer, Todd Hollowell, and, and Ron Howard. And I said, there's, like, I would just forward to, like, you got to look at this shot, right? <laughs> and they would go, wow, that's really cool. And so um, I, I really feel like, um, anyway, digressing, a lot of the stuff that I learned in terms of visual storytelling without understanding what people were saying were, were, was kind of based on uh, the Miyazaki stuff. Also, the Chaplin stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, very much. Yeah. 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 Yes. A lot of great films were silent films. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So. Like Buster Keaton. You, know why? you can watch it. Buster Keaton is very universal. Like you sit there and you watch it's like, okay. It's, it's, it's not math, but there's also, there's, there's a genius, a subtle genius to it too. Right. Like nobody even, nobody bothers with it anymore because everything's. If you watch The General, which is a, um, it's an old film and I can't. 
you know, I can't vouch for its politics, to be honest with you. In a world now that's mm. sort of moving, you know, just this week is very topical. The, the All the Confederate flag stuff, which mm. I think is kind of cool and very healthy. But if you can... Uh, uh, if you can watch the general, there's just it's him on a train trying to stop this train, and it's from a silent perspective, it's really, really impressive, really impressive. Someone brought a Criterion, put it up on uh, on collection. They just released it. Oh, really? Year. Yeah, it's like it's a three disc set too. It's massive. The other picture that really influenced me a lot is uh, Rashomon, and um, yeah, like <laughs> it's you, Kurosawa. You can't. No, I know. <laughs> it's you know it's turning into the Kurosawa. Yeah. Uh, Kaiju podcast, but <laughs> but like there's just definitely a um, I, I believe in the simplicity and I and in storytelling, and I think you can make profound statements without the sound on. Exactly. Yes, I would completely agree with you. Yeah. Now, I have to ask, what Spinosaur? Huh? Why Why'd you pick the Spinosaur? Spinosaurs are cool. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, Spinosaurs are cool. Although yeah. I, I must say that like there's a pattern now, and all my mm-hmm. all my protagonists. Have I believe there too many of them have been uh, bipedal carnivores, and Ooh. I need to think about that. I also need to think about the uh, idea, the concept of whether do I need to use violence to tell a story. Mm-hmm. That's a that's an important one for me to think about. Well, you're dealing with an with an animal base, you know. And I understand that. Know. And I some of the some of the images, especially like in the journey, I have like a a giant long neck sauropod getting taken down by like a million little raptors, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's a drawing where it's been hollowed out, mm-hmm. you know, in a very bloody way, and they've taken the heart and the intestines out, and they've eaten it. And along the way, especially with this story, you know, I, I'm I'm starting to wonder how, uh, uh, how many ways I could tell another story that doesn't involve, like there's something very primal for me, by getting two dinosaur toys and just kind of ramming them. <laughs> okay, I, I like that. I think that's cool. When I was younger, I used to have the Mark set dinosaurs. I would do the exact same thing. Yeah, you know? I had that too. So I would line up, and I would line up. I used to have the prehistoric uh, scenes uh, model kits where the mm-hmm. bases would connect together, and I would face off my dinosaurs because I thought it'd be cool if the Styracosaur and the Triceratops faced each other. Yeah, right? battle the horns. <laughs> yeah. So now, now uh, I am obsessed with the sideshow Dinosauria collection of dinosaurs. Yeah. Okay, and so I have the I have the T Rex, which has like a, a duckbill baby carcass mm-hmm. kind of laying there, and and that that all that has a complementary Triceratops. Um, I don't say kit, but mm-hmm. figure statue that comes out in a couple months, and I'm like, <laughs> I have to like line them up so they face off each other, and, and it's the exclusive edition where the triceratops behind it is defending the the baby, right? But somewhere along the line, and finishing up the story and starting to think about the others, I really do think about like, you know, do I want to tell those stories about blood and guts and stuff like that all the time? I think there's more to that, and perhaps. You know, there's more to me than that, right? And I, uh, I consider it like I, I want to tell stories because they challenge me, mm. not just kind of well. I'll just do another T-Rex story. Yeah. Okay. Well, well I mean, some some of it is a matter of you know, some people would argue that you know, some dinosaurs sell more than other dinosaurs. I would agree, and that's been explained to me. Yeah. Very clearly. And Absolutely. T-Rex ish or Raptor ish sells yes. a lot more. So. I I will say that I'm considering a few. Stories sort of with one character, mm-hmm. like uh, like I have now. I'm also considering a multi-story anthology Ooh. series where you have different uh, 
like each issue would have three eight-page stories, mm -hmm. three eight-page mm -hmm. reptile stories. So I could bounce around from time period to time period and, and species to species. So, oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, no, I'm really, you know, really concerned that I, you know, wait, wait to hear the final word from above. But, um, uh, and, and honestly, it's not, it's not even so much of like, yeah, don't do it or yes, do it. But, mm -hmm. you know, Dark Horses have been really, they've been really great about like, you do whatever you want. You know, as long as it's doing well, you know, um, selling-wise, that's really the ultimate arbiter of all this stuff. So, I, but I am thinking of telling stories that are more intimate and more about you know character and um, emotion, mm -hmm. and try to move people in different ways, not just kind of like I already did the whole Rammy dinosaurs <laughs> together thing for quite a while. Mm -hmm. So now I want to do you know stuff about. Uh, you know, I don't know, dying with dignity, perhaps, right? Or, mm -hmm. you know, um, a life together, or um, uh, siblings nurturing each other. I, I think that that stuff uh, interests me. And you're getting some Land Before Time stuff right there. See, that's what I mean. It's like, yeah, I want to do that, but I don't want to do that, you know, as well. Well, you don't like want, I... want to go full... <laughs> Modeling, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. And that's a mm -hmm. line for me that's important. Mm -hmm. And that's why, like, that's why... See, that's, that's why Baby Turtles was such an important story for me because there's mm -hmm. these, these cute little turtles and they roll around and they, they're, just, they're just kind of crawling their way toward the ocean, but there's these gigantic creatures that are eating them and plenty of them don't make it. But that was kind of an important test for me. Could I do cute mm -hmm. but, not, but not lose, I don't want to say my dignity, but <laughs> the story's dignity. You know, could you tell... Yeah. Could you uh, retain that? And I, I believe I did. So I'm adorable, excited. adorable with a dash reality to it. Well, just all, like uh, I've seen uh, too many nature documentaries, which I like, mm -hmm. where you see you know a um, a, a duckling, a bunch of ducklings following uh, a mother duck, and there's a crow following behind, just hopping, mm -hmm. and the, the mom duck has to turn around and just snap at the. The crow, because the crow is just dying to take that last little duckling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then but they don't show, they don't never show you when you know the the times when the mother is not quick enough, or when the crow actually kills the baby duck. Yeah, and it takes it back to her nest, which is yeah. full of baby crows. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So there's like, and now I I find that stuff, you know, if you just make the rec the T Rexes of the of the Cretaceous or mm -hmm. the, the Mesozoic the bad guy, I don't know if that's really Something that people long term are going to be interested in seeing over and over again. Because yeah, well, I mean, I've seen stories where the T Rex isn't the bad guy. But they show it's the, their nature, literally the nature of their of their existence. It's like right. this is, it's like bears. Bears, people with anthropomorphized bears, till the cows come home. Like oh my god, they're these cute colors. You get close to a bear, a bear will mess you up. Yeah. And they As are, we saw in that one movie several years ago, I think the end, yeah, the this guy was you, a bear oh, researcher, yeah, the, and then the very end oh, he was bear, killed. Uh, a grizzly man? Yeah, a grizzly man, and in the end he was killed by a bear. No, that guy wasn't research, that guy was just a little nuts. He okay, was he was crazy. Okay, I didn't, yeah. I didn't see did you ever see that. <laughs> did you ever see that film? No, but I, I know the ending of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like, you know... Oh, you yeah. want to be a, you can be a raptor whisperer, but mm -hmm. suddenly <laughs> there's still animals. They're there's not going to come up yeah, and hug yes. you. There's a reason he ran and he slid under the door before they can get to him. Exactly, which yeah. I thought was well done. There, there, well that's received. what I mean. Yeah, yeah you don't. There's a there's a picture, and oh. I I love them, especially like moments. That's what one reason I love comics because they capture those moments, like those that one second where you, you wish you could hold it. 
someone had uh, captured a, uh, an image. So they took a series of, of pictures of this insane woman at the Munich Zoo who thought that the polar bears were like, come, hang out with us, play with us. Oh, so she right. jumped into the polar bear pit. And people were like, what are you doing? They're like yelling at her. It's like, get out of there, get out of there. And she's like, no, no, they're friendly. She's swimming up to them. Lo and behold, one of the larger females looks at this waddling woman coming towards her. And it's like, oh, I guess dinner's on right now. Yeah. And she, there's a picture There's a picture of her before swimming up, putting her hand up. And then the picture right after that is the bear laying into her shoulder and her screaming. And that moment of realization is like, oh, I have messed up. So, yeah. My bad. My bad, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so pe- pretty much showing us, like, yeah, you can, you know, they might, their points, they look cute and cuddly, but it's like, no, they're just, no, they're, they're still animals. animals. And so, it's, yes, they have, they're, they're complex. They're wonderful, great. Watch them from afar. You have to have respect for them. <laughs> exactly. So, the thing that would upset me is if they put that bear down. They did not yeah. put the bear down. In fact, they arrested the woman. They're like, what are you doing? Oh, so God. she had to get like, uh, I think, 64 stitches in her shoulder. She's lucky she wasn't killed. Exactly. The, the zookeepers were on were on it the second she was in the pool, but they didn't catch her in time before mm-hmm. the, the one female laid into her. But mm-hmm. they tranked the female, so they just knocked her out. They pulled the woman out. The female was fine. They're just like, she jumped into the, like, the zoo pretty much got stuff. It's like, how did she scale the enclosure? It's like, people even said, it's like, she hopped over this thing. It's like, she was like Spider-Man jumping over this thing. So they're like, all right, well, I guess we got to raise the fence. See, that's what I mean about like the, I don't want to say limited story possibilities, Mm -hmm. but like stuff like that in a Jurassic uh, Park setting, Mm -hmm. like there's so many zoo stories that you could do like that that are predictable and unpredictable Mm -hmm. that I I, kind of wish that they might consider. They would explore. Yeah, like, you know, for example, I don't know, there's like the whole um, uh, make a wish thing with kids that are um, are ill, right. terminally. Yeah. You can make a wish. You know, what if a kid like that wanted to go to Jurassic World? You know, and so you have you make it more of a poignance poignancy than no, walking in and knowing that you know those kids are going to survive. They might even g- do gymnastics and kill a raptor, right? <laughs> right? You know, and and. Uh, I think that stuff, if you present it in a very tender way, you know, people would respond to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know. they left it open. You could actually go back and do prequels for years just on that park alone. Because they, they show you the end, but they've, they've made it known. It's like, this thing's been open for at least the last 10 years. Right. So, they, it, that was the beauty of it. It's like, if we really wanted to, it's like, and we just want to do more with, like, Chris Pratt before everything goes to hell. They can, they can easily they do can that. And they had the researcher leave with mm-hmm. all of the genetic DNA and all the things. But you mentioned yeah. curious news stories. I mean, mm-hmm. you've heard stories about, like, a... I think there was a chimpanzee that would constantly escape its enclosure. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, or an octopus that gets his way out. And you know, and they would just you know, end up at the concession stands eating the concession food. Mm-hmm. Imagine a dinosaur doing that every day. It gets out of the enclosure. Like, like a copy they gets out. They don't know how. Yeah. It's they're, they're eating you know hot dogs out of the <laughs> hot dog stand. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff done with the um, with the to- the baby dinosaurs and kids riding around that the they, baby they, they could they could really take advantage of that stuff later on. Oh. Hopefully. Well, uh, so you, so pretty much you have, you said you got, well, I got to ask, uh, has, let me, let me reward this. I'm kind you can of ask jumbling, me whatever you want. I'm jumbling over my, my own question here. Okay. okay. So how long between the last age reptiles be, to this age reptiles? Uh, I don't know, 2008, <laughs> 2009. Okay. It's so about six, like seven years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It takes me a while. It okay. takes me a while. Yeah. So 
in that time, did you have this story like chambered, or was this something that kind of came to fruition and you were like, when I knew I wanted to tell the story. Okay. Having said that, mm-hmm. having said that, in between, in the middle of telling the story, I did two and a half short stories. Okay. So I did a story called The Body mm-hmm. about this uh, di- this dinosaur that's killed by mm-hmm. these carnivores. Mm-hmm. But the carnivores leave, and it's like, what happens to the body after uh, after they leave? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I did the baby turtle story, and I have one now that is on page six of eight. So, I so I did do more. You know, sometimes I get did um, the, the, the juice, did the, the wheel start? Something turning? else happens, and I have to tell this other story. Yeah, and so I mean, that's the cool thing about my arrangement with Dark Horse. It's like when it's when it's ready is when it's ready. You know, it just happened to be. You know, um, just lined up perfect. Yeah, it was very. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of synchronicity here mm-hmm. this this year, and like I said, the the issues are doing really well. It was cool. Uh, um, a bunch of the production people, the people, the artists that I work with, went to the that comic book store the next day, and it was um, it was sold out. So nice. Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> you know what? Twelve. Somebody bought twelve issues, right? I don't know. You know, it's still. It's, I refuse to take that very seriously. Oh come on, sir, yeah. sir, come on! You can t- take a little kudos. Uh, Not mean, everyone can afford three ninety nine or how many. So I don't think it's one person buying twelve issues. I, I think it's twelve I, people buying twelve. I issues. will top that. The Dark Horse sends me reviews, and they sent me this one review. of these two guys saying, "Well, this comic book is not worth three ninety nine. This is like a D. Is this a D? I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of like a D because these. I don't really like dinosaurs and." They just they just come in. They you know he just swims around and eats some fishes and I don't know. They're that's not really the, a story. These guys are dicks for the sake of being dicks. Well, look. But having said I, that, I, if I, you're not interested in dinosaurs, you're not interested in dinosaurs. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's like asking me to you know to go and review a you know, a, a car magazine. I don't know right. automobiles. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I've never seen. Mm-hmm. I've never seen Gone with the Wind. Everyone says yeah. it's really yeah. good. Mm-hmm. But if it's not your thing, it just it's just not my thing. Yeah, yeah but there is a there's a point of like you can put up fronts like. This is not my thing, but the way it's you're worrying it the way they were worrying, it, it's like they're they're taking. It sounds like they're taking just a little bit of glee into kind of like digging into books. And I see enough review. That's that's the M of a lot of reviewers today, where it's like they will. There's no in between. There's the extremes of both in. You love something. Oh my god, you hype the crap out of it. You hate something. You you bury it. Not six feet. You bury it twelve feet down, and then you light it on fire. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the reviews. <laughs> that's just how people go yeah. about. They can't just like. <clears throat> Yeah, I liked it for what it was. You know, it was it was there. It's okay. like like Jurassic World. It's like you know what? Mm-hmm. It's not. Uh, it's it's it not is, Citizen Kane. Yeah, you know. But I had fun. And yeah, was you, some popcorn and nachos consumed, and I had a good time. Yeah, exactly. if I had friends who are like, I'm not a romantic comedy person, but this movie wasn't bad. Mm. Like you know, they would say things like that. They were like, Would I watch another one? Probably not. But this one standing alone is fine. Having said that, but now we get into the idea of why someone tells a story. Mm-hmm. Like I told the story because, not for critics, but because I wanted to tell that story. Period. Of course. And you know? who, who's else who would find it? Yeah. And so I take the positive stuff and the negative stuff mm-hmm. for what it is. You know, and uh, I still stand behind my story. You know, uh, warts and sunrises, uh, both. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You put something out. You put something out, you got to stand behind it. There's the 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 other side of it is, and I see this a lot in in film and animation where people will critique stories mm-hmm. and uh, to the nth degree. And sometimes I just kind of say, you know what? What have you done? 
what what have you thank put you. out? Thank yeah. you. You know, and I find that to be uh, like story theorism, mm -hmm. if you will. Like, well, I think the story would have been great if they'd done this, right? And that's cool, but you know, once I hear, you know, like you and I, we all do the same thing in this business, and you know, I tell stories, and so I can sort of take a step back and and see. Uh, the effort it takes to tell a story. Mm -hmm. And if you're just going to sit there and shoot your mouth off long enough, long enough, then I'm just going to say, look, you know, what have you done to kind of earn your status as, as a critic? Thank you. I, it's, it's one, that I, I, agree. It's one yes. thing I always argue with people who just, especially people who just like to bury stuff. It's like, ah, this movie, you know, blue, this did like, how are you going to make one? Go, go try it yourself. I mean, even, it's not just burying stuff. It's like when they pontificate mm -hmm. good or bad about stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, a lot of the storyboard artists are sort of experts on action sequences, if yeah. you will, right? Okay? And there's a very, there's a very uh, linear development in action filmmaking that you can trace directly to the, to the Jason Bourne films. Because mm -hmm. before that, it was the... Um, the, the Pierce Brosnan Bond films were being made, and they were like pretty mediocre excursions into what um, action sequences were That's about. Why Hong Kong films in the nineties were as well, rich. as well, absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. And so then, anyway, my point is that filmmaking takes these big steps mm -hmm. uh, forward based on mimicking each other, yeah. right? And so, um, what I don't like is sort of people. Criticizing or critiquing action sequences to the extent of like, well, I'm just going to poo-poo anything that's not clear, and I, I don't agree with that mm -hmm. because sometimes the intent is not to be clear. Yeah. The intent is to have intensity, mm -hmm. not just uh, not just to have uh, um, clarity. Because clarity sometimes is boring, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. No. Sometimes if there's a few quick cuts where there's there's vicious stuff going on and there's an intensity there, I can accept that. You know. Um, there is other stuff that's going on. Like, for example, I've seen... I've not seen Daredevil, the Daredevil series. Okay? Oh, the Netflix? Oh. Okay, everyone loves that. Oh, my God. son says it's really cool. Dad, you got to watch it. You watch, that, you watch it, the end of the second that? episode. Is that like... What is that? Like 10... Is that 12, 10 hours? 12, 12 hours? hours yeah. 12 hours. That's 12 hours. Yeah. There's a movie... Two I, hours. Yeah. Give me two hours and a yeah. movie and I'm done. Yeah. If it's... Uh, well, the beauty about Netflix, it's there at your discretion. Right. And so. my, my son would say, yeah, Dad, but you'll watch, you know, The Prisoner, mm -hmm. you know. Over and over again, <laughs> right? And I'll say, yeah, but the prison is a prisoner, right? But anyway, <laughs> there's, uh, there's, uh, I did see a sequence from Daredevil that was, it's pretty tough. When he's like fight, he's in his black in the hallway, in the hallway, yes. and this, in it, and someone, one of my students was like, oh yeah, that's based on this old some some movie called Old Boy. Yeah, and looks, then they start showing me the Old Boy thing, and there's mm -hmm. like hammers going through skulls, and I went, oh yeah. my god. Yeah, and it's all one static. And take, it's all too. one static take. Yeah. Yes, and and so, like, it got an emotional reaction for me, mm -hmm. and I, I I totally understand about like, okay, you wanna you wanna approach stuff from okay, we haven't seen that before. Mm -hmm. like, that should be, in my opinion. The humble, quiet standard about stuff, you yeah. know. But what I what I don't like is people will come in and say, "Well, I don't like Old Boy because of this," or mm -hmm. "I don't like, you know, the Born films because of that," or "I don't like Batman Begins because it's all it's all shaky cam stuff." Like, yeah. uh, it's not so easy to do. Have you seen a movie called The Raid? No, but Jeff Darrow absolutely. <laughs> raves about that movie. You really, if you love action, and I hold this to a high standard, and I was actually kind of um, 
Because a lot of people, like, I got it real quick. I gotta the Raid and John Wick. I, yeah, I, I really enjoy oh, John Wick was great. Uh, I got to ask, did you see the new Mad Max? Well, another Jeff Darrow thumbs up <laughs> that I have not seen. Like, I, yeah, I was actually uh, sick for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. uh, and I uh, wanted to see, like, Mad Max and then Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. So I was sick for, like, about 10 days, and it was like, okay, well, you know, maybe Mad Max is going to be the, the Blu-ray version. So I ended up just seeing um, uh, Jurassic World. But mm-hmm. I, everything I've heard about Mad Max mm-hmm. is... Uh, Two thumbs up on that yeah. one. Yeah. Well, for me, like for me, everyone, like I was, I was telling Mark because we were having like a discussion about this. He loved, he loved the film. A lot of people absolutely love the film. I like the film, but the thing is, for me, it got. I think it got over. I think I got overhyped for it. For Mad Max. For Mad Max, because okay. I, I, lo- I love Road Warrior is great. The first Mad Max is. I showed the Road Warrior to my son, mm-hmm. and after I, after we were done, I said, "What did you think, son?" And he's like, "We could have played Halo, Dad." Yeah. Well, that's because everyone else takes. It's it's different. Yeah, it is. But uh, Fury Road is you know people are like, oh my god, I can't believe someone's making a movie like this. And when I sat there and watched it, like, oh, I'm like, okay, so this is here we go. This is an insane movie. I'm sitting there like, okay, this is pretty insane. This is pretty much. It felt like George Miller got to make Road Warrior on a budget, like in. But he got to do it his way. So there's Mm -hmm. like very little CG. All the all the roasters are all custom made. Mm-hmm. The, these guys are in the Tanzanian desert, flipping over, and like, and like, you, there's points you're like, some of these guys could have died doing this. Mm. But the thing for me was, it's like, okay, this is an R-rated movie. It felt like it was lacking a bit of a bite. But then again, as you know, as I walked, I'm like, this, this was, I, I liked the movie a lot. But I think the fact that people were like, it's so hardcore. I'm just like, I just. I've I've lived my life watching the last two raid films for like the last like three years, and these guys it's like it's like I swear to God someone died making these films. No, I've seen the trailer yeah. for the raid, and it's pretty. There's some impressive yes. stuff in there's, there. There's there's there was one point. Yeah, that first trailer. The first trailer I I call a a, a, a masterpiece of editing. It was the it was the trailer that came out of the Toronto International Film Festival when Sony picked it up. They mixed it to the uh, Mike Shinoda from Lincoln Park. He came in and rescored the movie. Oh. So they took his score, put it over it. There's not one. There's not even. A, there's not a piece of, of foley in the film. It's just all the 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 um, the music beats, and it builds. So it slowly builds. You get the the logo, and then it pretty much gives you the as much as it's silent, and it gives you the exact idea of where this movie's going. Cops show up. They're raiding a building, mm-hmm. and then everything goes to hell. Mm-hmm. And there the sequence, and it's just it builds and builds and builds, and it doesn't. It's not like. Oh, here's the scene, and then there's this. No, it's just it's, and the building doesn't even go to a point where it's like, where are they going to stop? Like, how insane is this going to be? And they, literally, there's a point where before it crescendos, there's a scene where they're fighting. They only, and I didn't realize they only show you the first twenty five minutes of this film. They don't even show you any of the other fight scenes in this film, other than like what's here in the first twenty minutes. Mm. There's a sequence when the main, uh, the 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 hero is fighting like fifteen dudes in this hallway, and he's got a baton in his hand. Whacks the guy across the head, and then he grabs as his head's flying one way. Takes his hand, grabs it, grabs it, and then slams it into the wall. And there's there's a lamp. There's a hallway lamp. There's a hallway light. Breaks that, and you think that's enough. Keeps slamming his head into the concrete as it's going down. So bam, 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 like this. I'm just like, your my mind was like it just cracked open and oozed out. It's certainly a different standard than. When I would storyboard some of these pictures, and mm-hmm. um, for example, one of my pet peeves is when the the same stunt coordinator coordinates mm-hmm. all uh, both sides of the fight, so mm-hmm. then 
So then both uh, antagonist and protagonist uh, know the same discipline. Mm -hmm. And so you, you almost kind of have like arms meeting each other, blows being defended in a way that feels not as visceral as like, for example... I don't know, like a regular street fight, which yeah. is like, you know. You got two different dudes. Who right. Do, yeah. That do cool. different things. Yeah. And I wish uh, more attention would be paid, uh, made to that kind of stuff, but it sounds like that's what's well, going yeah. on here. Yeah, because they had three different fight coordinators on the film. Well, that's um, what I mean. That's cool. And it was like Guillermo del Toro did that with Blade 2. Okay. He, he, he had uh, um, Donnie Yen as mm -hmm. one of the fight coordinators, and then he had two other stunt coordinators on it. And he's like, he had Donnie in just do all the vampire hunter stuff. And then he had the other stunt guys like, okay, this is what the actual, this is what the vamps are going to do. And then this is what the, um, that's cool. Yeah. I so gotta he, see that again. Yeah. Cause Blade, like Blade 2, I still hold as a, it's a fantastic film. Okay. Um, but yeah, like there's, and that, that's a, I'm, I'm so off my head right now. Sorry. Sorry. But yeah, no, but that's. I think it's a key that a lot of people don't realize, and you just beautifully pointed out. It's like, yeah, don't have one guy. That's that was the problem I think with the last two Matrix sequels it was you had the first one, which had like a lot of these visceral fights, and even you know that they're not these technically don't take place in the real world. Like when Morpheus is fighting Agent Smith in that bathroom, that's and, a fight. yeah, and they're and the point where more like Agent Smith is breaking Morpheus over all the porcelain in the uh, it's fantastic. It is fantastic, and you realize like, okay, these are like. Morpheus is fighting one way, Agent Smith's fighting another way. And when they did the sequels, it was like, okay, hit, punch, block, hit, punch, block. And it's then choreographed. Yeah, it was far more choreographed, and yes. you realized, oh. You can tell. I think it's bad when the audience says that feels like it's choreographed. Mm -hmm. And inherently, and that's not that the way it's supposed to feel. It's no. supposed to feel visceral and weird, mm -hmm. weird and uh, unpredictable, you know? Yes. And uh, that's, what, that's also kind of what I mean about the... Uh, the, no, the inherent knowledge of modern audiences, like they can pick up on stuff like that a lot mm -hmm. easier um, and a lot quicker. And so the standard, the bar keeps being raised, if not yearly, then it, clearly from film to film, you know, like uh, I was impressed with the uh, the stuff in the Winter Soldier film. Oh, Winter and, so good. And, and yet, you know, you watched the um, the Avengers film earlier, mm -hmm. a couple months ago. I wasn't impressed with a lot of the uh, sequence, a lot of the action stuff in that film. Yeah, it wasn't as uh, it it felt. Um, it, and again, those are the standards that mm -hmm. fairly or unfairly are are uh, the stories are being held to these days. Again, it's a big that sequel's a big sprawling film. It has a lot of a lot to it. Merit wise, but the action stuff, it's kind of its own, uh, its own subgenre and it gets really, really critiqued, mm -hmm. fairly or unfairly. Yeah. All right. Well, I have to ask. Um, okay. Because uh, someone's bringing this up. It's about dinosaurs now. Go. Cool. Uh, where do you stand with the feathers? No, I, I, the, where I stand with the feathers mm -hmm. is what's, what's been found is what's been found. Okay. Honestly. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't think it's, uh, <laughs> I think it's, <laughs> I don't think it's, you can't really deny nature. I don't know what yeah. to say other than that. Having said that, mm -hmm. okay, uh, I really can't see the larger sauropod, the long neck dinosaurs with mm -hmm. feathers because those have not been found with feathers. It yeah. certainly seems like only the two legged bipedal dinosaurs have been found with feathers, the smaller ones, right? Mm -hmm. Is it possible that uh, T-Rexes have been um, 
Uh, at least perhaps the younger ones may, might have been covered with down. It's possible. But I, I see it as down mm-hmm. or quills, not necessarily. Yeah. Some of the some of the raptor stuff where they have uh, actual wings, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know about that, especially the larger the larger species. Most certainly some. And that's kind of why I'm so interested in uh, the Chinese uh, formations because yes. there's been a few very, very, very bird-like uh, dinosaurs found. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm I'm very curious about that. I don't think that an ankylosaurus perhaps has been found with uh, with yeah. feathers yet, right? So I, I perhaps in my ignorance, I'm sort of splitting it up between the, li- the lizard hip and the bird hip dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, but I, I'm, I'm open to what's been found, honestly. Uh, I don't think it's fair to start... Like I've seen... I actually saw a painting of styracosaurs with feathers, like with a down on them. And I don't... I, don't, I think that you have to restrict yourself to what's been found. And yeah. Yeah, which is kind of funny for me because I'm anything but conservative politically, and so I'm pretty <laughs> progressive. And and so uh, for me to sort of look at a styracosaurus and and say, yeah, you can't cover it with feathers, I, I sound like get off my lawn guy. You know? <laughs> but but I, I think that it's important to sort of uh, to consider all that. Like I I did put quills quills on my uh, in this new story on the mm-hmm. carcarodontosauruses, car- which are the the um, the African the Egyptian version of um, Giganotosaurus, which is a species from South America, and mm-hmm. those two actually, you know, because South America and Africa kind of very conveniently yeah. kind yeah. of slip yes. together, right? And so there are I put quills on their mane for that story, and um, the story I'm working on now is kind of about it's a it's a six, eight page sh- short story. It kind of is about flight. It's about it's about smaller sort of two-legged mm-hmm. birds and one larger, you know, not as feathered theropod, if you will. <laughs> right. Yeah, but I think it's, you know, it is what it is. Like, what what's nature find, what we find in terms of paleontology is is, is what's there. Yeah. Like, I, I don't criticize Jurassic, I don't criticize the Jurassic Park film for it mm. so much. Um uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think if you want uh, hard science, then you know, you got to go to the paleontology stuff. But uh, perhaps it'd be cool if in the next few films, I, I would imagine some of that stuff would be incorporated. I don't know. Yeah, I, I had a friend who couldn't watch this movie because there's no feathers on the dinosaurs. I'm like, then don't come with me because yeah. you will not rain on my parade. I want to see this film for right. what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there are some people who are like, I know that's not accurate. I remember when the trailer came out, oh, they were tearing apart those dinosaurs. No, and and honestly... And I'm like, it's a movie, have fun. And and for example, in the second film, the stegosaurs are shown with the tail... Okay, we're getting really... (laughs) It's okay. I've heard about that controversy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, The tails are out accurately, Mm -hmm. and in this new movie, the... The tails actually droop down, sort of. Yeah. 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 Which I thought was kind of cool, but uh, it is inaccurate. It is not really what the tails could do. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, each storyteller is in charge of their own stories, Mm -hmm. and I get that, and I. Uh, I do want to tell a story about a Dunkleosteus, which is a gigantic. It's a gigantic Mm -hmm. fish, and they've found like the front part of it, and there's like, and it's, it's got the like almost parrot like. It's beak a thing. parrot-like beak. In the yeah, front. and it's just it's like thirty-five feet long, and then you know, like, so do I draw it like a shark? Do I draw it like a guppy? Like, what do I do? <laughs> I don't know. Like, either way, I'll be wrong, right? Yeah. Either way, 
sooner or later, mm -hmm. I want to, I would like to tell a story about that species doing something, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, saving the world or blowing up the world. I don't know, but I, I do want to tell a story about that, that particular uh, species of, uh, of animal. And inherently there's some choices that have to be made. Do you have yeah. a Googler for every new dinosaur like discovery? Like when they come out with something? Nah, yeah, yeah. Or is it someone that passes something your way? It's like, I hey, just, look at I this. I just hear about it. I hear about it. Yeah, like uh, Don Glute. Don Glute. Yeah. He mm -hmm. wrote a book Don called Glute. the uh, Encyclopedia of Dinosaurs. And when something new comes out, like I, I will say, about a year ago, the new Spinosaurus mm -hmm. stuff came out, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh my god, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I got really scared because the new there's a new interpretation. A Spinosaurus, so basically it's, it just crawls like a crocodile. Yes, yeah, I saw right? that. Yeah. Okay, and so then that was all the rage last fall, and I was really sort of biting my nails, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, mine is is bipedal, but can be quadrupedal. Yeah. And, um, this but, is what keeps us up at mm -hmm. night. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, well, it certainly kept me up at night as yeah, a storyteller, right? Of course. Cause cause it becomes out, and, and, and um, Basically, this new construction said, yeah, the legs are really short, crocodile-like, okay? And what's really come out is that apparently that construction is done from two different... Uh, finds? Finds. Oh, yeah. okay. Right? So they Frankenstein it together. Right, and so then now there's similar species mm -hmm. like uh, Suchomimus and baryonyx that they just wonder well why are the, the hind legs so long in these two species mm -hmm. but another very similar species spinosaurus why would the legs be that short yeah. i don't know i think i've i've been able to find kind of a happy medium where my the forearms on my spinosaurus are long enough for it to you know do the quadrupedal thing you know when it needs to the best thing that i've been, that's been explained to me is that um the conclusion seems to be that Spinosaurus was kind of like were kind of like duck bills, mm -hmm. where duck bills can walk around on all fours, but they also can walk. They could run mm -hmm. on uh, on as a biped. So, so kind of like caimans, kind of like that. Yeah, kind of like that. So I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> all yeah. right. Well, uh, last time you were here, you mentioned a few things that you were like super into. I have to ask, what did you think of the Star Wars trailer? Oh, awesome! Awesome. I'm pretty happy. You're pretty happy. Yeah, I was really happy. Yeah, that's it's inherently again. Does it feel like a Jurassic Park movie? Mm -hmm. Right. It kind of Jurassic World felt like a Jurassic Park movie. Mm -hmm. The new Star Wars trailer felt like a Star Wars movie to me. That the uh, the last three did not, mm -hmm. and as I went along, felt less and less like that. This one, to me, feels. I mean, I have guarded optimism, yeah. right? Like I was, you've been hurt before. I was, been hurt. <laughs> I was fooled three times yeah. last time. I'm like, okay, this is the third one. Maybe they'll figure it out this time. But no, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. But I, I feel like um, this has a lot of goodwill, and um, even without, like, even without Han and Chewie, right? Mm -hmm. Even before that, I was like, okay, this, I'm buying, I'm buying a lot. So of all this the X-wing stuff. Yeah, and... no, and I was nerding out, like, mm -hmm. okay, so is that Leia's daughter? No, wait, or is that it can't be Luke's daughter? Like he's handing the lightsaber to her. Mm -hmm. She's clearly the new Jedi. She's gonna face off against the the other guy with the cross lightsaber thing, which, you know. I'm not wild about that, but design is the least important thing about storytelling. Mm -hmm. I, I continue to say that. 
And there's enough cool stuff in that trailer for me to go, okay, I'll buy, I'll, I'll go see that thing. Like I mean, the, I'm excited about it. That shot when they're going across the desert and you see the fallen yeah, the Star Destroyer yeah. and all that. Yeah, like that feels like a Star Wars movie. That mm-hmm. feels like it's taking a, uh, a big chunk of what came in the 70s and early 80s and saying, yeah, we're kind of doing this. Whereas the other stuff just felt so unfamiliar and I don't want to say groundless, but it just felt unfamiliar. Well, that was all blue screen, and this one, Abrams, was very like, we're going out to the desert, and we're going to shoot with as much and, props and, you know, sets and everything. As and it's have. cool. I mean, I, I don't know who this young female character is yet, but she seems interesting. You know, um, the buddy that she helps up that's wearing a Stormtrooper outfit, mm-hmm. you know, clearly there's some kind of connection there. I've Sadly, I've seen photos of them both in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. He's trying so, to keep as spoiler free as possible. Yeah, no, no I, I don't, I, I want to know. I'll, I'll okay. look at it up right now. <laughs> just tell me right now. Just, just, just give you yeah. more. That's all. Well, that helps me, like, want to like it more, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, because last time I didn't want to know, and I walked in and I was yeah. like, yeah, I, I don't. I, I need to I know, know now. Give me time yeah, to kind like, of wrap your head t- around t- it. Tell me now, and mm-hmm. then I can accept it more. Like some of the shots, like the stormtroopers turning around, mm-hmm. like all that just feels like there's a really cool shot of the um, of a Tie Fighter in a bay of sorts. It feels like a Death Star's bay, and it's yeah. firing, and there's bad guys flying around. That looks cool. That looks cool to me. The, the uh, there's that Royal Guards uh, stormtrooper with the the cape. That that it. looks cool. Apparently, that's that, that's a girl too. Yeah, the one with the, the chrome. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's Gwendolyn Christie. Yeah. Oh, really? She's from yeah. um, Game of Thrones. I've She's never Brienne watched of Tarth. Of, I've never watched Game of Thrones. I've never seen so. it. So. so yeah, but yeah, I saw that. I'm like, oh, that's that's going to be the Darth Maul of like this new series. I, I point it's right. Captain Phasma. Phasma or Phasma. P H A. S M A. So pronounce it as you will. Yeah, I'm waiting for the figure to come out. I'm very see how, excited. See how, like, She's going to be amazing. Darth Maul into itself mm-hmm. is not a story. Like no. that's such a cool design. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine, Ian McKay, designed that character. Mm-hmm. But unto itself, it's cool, but it's not a story. Mm-hmm. That's why perhaps that character is very popular. I mean, I sure like to see what the what the uh, what the uh, sales are for like the. Uh, Old, you know, original series versus the three prequels. Right? Well, it is. I mean, we. I, I think the projected because we talked earlier about like how Jurassic World was going to go from like no, this thing's going to be 90. ridiculous. Oh yeah. The projected, according to movie critics who do the financial math, and I'm not a math person, um, ironically, um, but <laughs> yeah, um, is three billion. That that does not surprise me. No. And I don't know if they're counting that as just movie ticket sales, however you wish, whether it's an IMAX price or matinee price, I'm not going to deal with that. I don't know whether that includes toys and merchandise or whether that is just ticketed sales in which... No, I've, I've seen on, this referred to... But as, as like $3 billion. Yeah, I've seen People Jurassic will watch this World as a, as a warm-up for this thing. It's going to be really... It's nostalgia, yeah. Yeah, very much. It just feels inherently like you are walking into a... A familiar universe, and that's kind of it goes a little bit into my theory of, of the auteur, you know. And I think that you're a different person when you tell stories at a certain age. Mm-hmm. For example, like I really dislike my first two Age of Reptile stories. I think oh, they're really quite them. juvenile, honestly. I like them. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> and so a lot of people told me that too, and God bless them. But um, uh, it kind of works in mysterious mm. ways where. 
George Lucas is telling a story when he's very young about hot rods and being a rebel. Mm-hmm. And then when he's, mm-hmm. when he's actually the Empire, he wants to tell a story about the Empire. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so now this guy, who's kind of a young rebel, wants to tell a story about young rebels, mm-hmm. which I, I find that to be interesting. And yeah. kind of analogous in terms of what, what I keep theorizing is like, you know, the story is who the person is that's telling the story at, at whatever point of life. That's why, like, the last Indiana Jones just kind of felt like an older man story told mm-hmm. by two older men. You know? I, you know, I'm, 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 like, I'm in the vocal minority that actually enjoyed the last Indiana Jones film. There's cool stuff in there, but I would have preferred a, um, a more of a, uh, a grit. Like, there's uh, The Searchers. Like, mm-hmm. if you would have put The Searchers into Indiana Jones and told a story like that, mm-hmm. I would have enjoyed that a lot more. There's stuff I like in that picture a lot, but... I feel like uh, the first three films and then this one just feels so differently to me in terms of the uh, the the intensity by which the stories were told. Now I gotta ask: Did you see? Did you, have you seen anything about um, the first anthology film that's coming out after Force Awakens called Rogue One? I've seen a few blurry cam phones <laughs> during convention things, and it looks mm-hmm. cool. Again. Is it a cool story? Uh, if it's a cool story, I'll go Do you know see what it. the story is? Well, I think it's basically they're stealing the Death Star plans. Yes. And, sorry, did I spoil that? No, 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 no. Okay. no. That was at, I, was in that, I was in the audience at, at um, the celebration. Okay. That was the Sunday panel, and there was nobody in there. I was very sick, <laughs> yeah. so everything I saw was online with the shaky yeah. cam, like, so I didn't end up making there was a, it. There, you had to wait uh, 12 hours to get into the Force Awakens panel. Oh, my God. And they were showing that in, like, 19 different rooms. The, the anthology panel, which was, it was it's Gareth Edwards, the, the gentleman who made the last Godzilla movie. And it was yes. supposed to be Josh Trank. This was before Trank left the project. So it was just, it was just uh, Gareth Edwards there and then Kathleen Kennedy. So they sat down and they're like, okay, no videotape of anything on the screen. And people were just like, Wait, what, what do you mean anything on the screen? Like, and nobody thought there was going to be anything because there's not even casting at this point. So... That's when Gareth Edwards is like, you know, they approached me when I was starting working on Godzilla. Like, do you want to do Star Wars? He's like, I, I'd have to be crazy insane not, to do, not to do it. So they yeah. sent him the script and he's just like, yeah. Because the way as he put it, he's like, this is an actual war movie. It's called Star Wars. We're actually going to show the war. So mm-hmm. he said, pretty much this is, it's, yeah, it's just all the uh, rebellion troops. There's no Jedi whatsoever. So it's all fairly grounded in that sense that there's no superheroes coming to the rescue at all. So... That's cool. Uh, it's pretty much as someone put it. It's like you actually we're going to find out exactly how many Bothans died to get that mm. to, to get the stuff. But they showed the the thing he showed was it looked like um, like an indoor like planet, and then you hear the uh, the Obi Wan speech. So you know the time before you know mm-hmm. when the Jedi were gone, and mm-hmm. then you just see this one little Tie fire, and then you see Obi Wan is clearing the just the Death Star in the uh, in the lower orbit. That's cool. And it just, people are just lost, and then you hear like. They show the Rogue One mm-hmm. uh, thing, and you just hear all, like this crackling over a radio, and people just getting murdered left and right. Wow! As they're just calling, it's like we need backup stuff like that. So no, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm in the minority, perhaps, of mm-hmm. some of my compatriots in the concept design and storyboard uh, business, where they're like, "Well, the new stuff, I don't really know about that." And I, mm-hmm. I say that there's still cool stuff being made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I look, I look forward to all that. I, 
I look forward to the Godzilla sequel. You know, I I I, I like this. Stuff. You can look forward to. Are you looking forward to the new King Kong movie? Legendary is going to be doing. I will give it a chance. You give it a chance. I will. Okay. I I kind of I saw the uh, the Jackson version once, mm-hmm. and I just kind of felt like it was. Uh, Been there, done that. No, I mean it wasn't. It wasn't bad. It was just kind of a double. Like it took twice as long to tell the same story and kind of, <laughs> kind of in a less emotional way, ultimately. Well, I, that, I, that's something that I was talking to, to, to these two about. It's like, every, past Toho's Kong films, mm-hmm. any American company that's ever tried to do a Kong film pretty much just retells the same Kong story. It's like you tell the, you know, Beauty and the Beast and then the Yeah, I would never do that. Time. I would do Young Kong. Yo! I would, I would do, I would actually, you could tell three stories and... The, the last story is you Kong mm-hmm. and the sun setting and the the boat the the ventures coming up. That's basically. Can I you, think you said thought on this a little bit. Yeah. Well, sadly yes. <laughs> you know, sadly yes. Just like I think it, you could do, you know, all kinds of cool Godzilla stories as well. We got to get you with IDW. We mm-hmm. got to. Um, like. We, <laughs> I mean, it would be cool, but that's a lot of like. Okay, when mm-hmm. I was a kid, I loved as my well, I loved Marvel comics. Okay, mm-hmm. I loved Marvel comics. And I, um, I really felt like I bought Marvel Team Up when I was a kid. So that's Spider Man <laughs> and somebody else, right? Yeah. So I, I always thought, why didn't they just do Spider Man and the Fantastic Four? And the bad guys are Doctor Doom and Doctor Octopus, right? Mm-hmm. And for many years when I was younger, I used to think, I'm going to draw that one day. Mm-hmm. I'm going to draw 24 pages where Spider Man and the Fantastic Four face off against. Doctor Doom and mm-hmm. Doctor Octopus, and today it's like I could do that, or I could create another one of my own stories, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it does kind of, you know, uh, and I've laughed with this with Jeff Darrow and some of my other friends about this. It's like, yeah, like you, there's stuff you'd want to see, but you know, you're you're actually in you know in a level where you're like creating something for another company as opposed to creating something for yourself. And that's a tough decision to come by because as a kid, the kid in me would love to tell that story and ink it and, you know, come to decisions like, okay, is it the Ditko, mm-hmm. you know, Spider-Man? Do I ink it like the Ditko Spider-Man? Or, and, and how would that fit? Do I ink the Fantastic Four? Like, or I would, would I try to ink it like the Kirby Fantastic Four or the Busima Fantastic Four? I don't know. Whatever, right? Or I try to tie it together and make it the John Romita version of all that. You know, but in the end, uh, I, I I think I'd rather just tell one of my own stories. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I have to ask. Do you have a Godzilla story in your head you would like to tell one day? Um, Is there something in there? Is there like an angling sense? Like that would be awesome to do. No, kind of along the lines of the rogue, the red rogue thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, the idea of uh, Godzilla coming into a town and just walking through, but all the damage that that he does. But from a perspective of people on the street, like mm-hmm. the Honolulu sequence, a little bit of it is mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And I, I actually like that a lot. Kind of the natural disaster element. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. you know, like the, the the little girl's like, hey, dad, look at the water. Yeah. And it's like tsunami. And they start running. And then... The, the dog. Little... This is me and the dog. Yeah. yeah the, the, well, the dog makes it, right? Yeah. I don't know. Dog, I talk... Okay. If... Chris assured me that the dog makes it because that part the dog makes it. The dog makes it. Yeah. He look. He's he's basically the people are doing this. Dog goes. Huh? Yeah. So the dog makes it. If you ask. Okay. Me. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for reassuring me. Yeah. yeah. No. I, and, yeah. And so it's funny because then you know, sadly, 
when the the family runs into the Seven Eleven or whatever that is, and oh, yeah, they close yeah, yeah. the door, <laughs> and then objects float by. I actually start pausing. I'm like, okay, is there, are there bodies? And you don't see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't see bodies. You see amorphous shapes, backlit, sort of drifting <laughs> by, but you don't see human bodies. Did you see a San Andreas? I did not see San Andreas. Okay, oh. so the big, they have a big tsunami sequence in that film too. Oh, cool! So because it's uh, which plausibility won't happen in San Francisco if a nine point earthquake hits because just our faults don't can line generate up that them. way. Yeah, they they don't they don't generate tsunamis because they're not uh, slip faults. They don't push up. Okay, uh, but anyway, they that have a big sequence. They at least make the tsunami scientifically as accurate. It's possible with adding a little. Once it happens. It. Once it happens, yeah, because okay. it's it's coming into like a narrow bay, so the okay builds up. Okay. So when it, they show this massive four hundred foot tsunami coming into San Francisco, and it's just plowing through everything, and they show you, yeah, there's a ton of people getting caught up, and they actually show the people getting caught up in the wave. Oh wow! So then they show the aftermath of you know it's everything's kind of calm for a minute and so The Rock and Carla Gooch uh, I keep messing her name yeah. uh, the, the girl from uh, from Watchmen they're going through looking for their daughter on this boat through the tsunami riddled uh, San Francisco mm-hmm. and there's debris everywhere but it's like we just saw two seconds ago about 15,000 people get swept up in this thing and you would be just going over body after body and it's like it's a PG-13 movie we can't really show that yeah. so no there's just definitely a creative line that you kind of cross I mean uh, again in the Godzilla movie there's the bit where he wakes up and it's after the yeah. all the train stuff mm-hmm. and there's everything's covered in mud and you know uh, I don't think that they I don't think there were other so, so, were there other bodies there were there? bodies yeah, they, they were so, they okay that's bodies. cool because he was actually nestled, I think, on top of one. Oh, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on this, Godzilla twenty fourteen, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, when he got up and then walked off like an old tired old man mm-hmm. into the ocean, a friend leaned in and goes, as he's getting up, he goes, and thirty people just died, because when you get up, there's no way nothing is affected, right? By just being around him, you know, by being an innocent bystander, there's right. no way he gets up and like. Not even the ant dies or something. Right. So he was like, "Oh no, Pe- people are dead." I mean, I laughed because I understood his humor, but mm. also I believe Brian Singer was in talks. I doubt it in making like a kaiju like show in which it talks yes. about people doing cleanup after kaiju's have left. What happened to that? I think it's still in development, but I think because they got put on the back burner while he's doing X Men. Yeah, because people are wondering what happens to the city. When something leaves, yeah, they they explored that in a cool way. I thought in Pacific Rim, I thought that yeah. was very yes, much. That was actually, really the well, original yeah. script was very much more into the, the the minutia of all that, where they really went deeper into. Here are the cleanup crews. Here's the uh, they actually have repair crews for the Jaegers mid battle. So there was a point. Cool. Yeah, there was a point in the original. I like script. all that stuff. Yeah, there was. Yes, a point. yeah. And they they weren't towed in by helicopters either. They were towed in by hover, like they had uh, like personal ships. Like three of them would come in and then they would hang much like the helicopters hung out that's right with the fights these would hang out and if there was damage done because usually it was two Jaegers per fight mm-hmm. so if one went down like okay our arms out they would have repairmen drop down onto the arm and do quick things and there was a sequence with this Cthulhu looking beast that they had fighting the, the, the script had I, I would say a little more imaginative monsters it was very much more Toho-esque so this Cthulhu like monster that they're fighting with a 
weird humanoid Frankenstein looking thing that they're you know mm. the other Jaeger is taking care of would start spitting parasites out of its mouth at the at the that's mechanics. cool yeah so while they're working on that that was the one thing when I was watching the film like I love Pacific Rim but it's like there was there's a they there's a few ideas they sacrificed to do a few other ideas. And I'm hoping that, you know, because they're doing two and they're doing a, an animated series that, you know, perhaps... I, and comics. Yeah. They're doing yeah. all that stuff. And like I said, I that's where I kind of feel like um, some of the criticism for this stuff, like you'll, you'll, um, you'll cri- you have no issue with the Godzilla 60s stuff where Godzilla's hopping around or flying. <laughs> and like his breath is sort of... Yeah, the star yeah. stuff. Uh, but, yeah. you'll give, but you'll give these pictures a really hard time. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I kind of feel like that's just a big ball of fun. Mm-hmm. Both of them, both of them, in the sixties and now, and I just think that the, all that should be embraced. You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, I got some people to ask. It's uh, did you ever go back after we talked? Did you ever have you walk, come back and watched any of the newer Godzilla films yet? You mean like uh, the, the late two thousand ones? Because you mentioned you hadn't seen any of those. No, I, I have not. No, so I, I've been. I'm a busy guy. I mean, yeah. I'm working on uh, that silly Pen Zero show. Right now, which is uh, it's doing well and it's a really funny show and teaching and then doing the comics. So and working on a novel. Oh, you're working on another novel. I'm working on another novel. <laughs> can you yeah. mention anything about that? It's a historical thriller. That's really? all I can say right okay. now. Okay, sweet. Yeah. yeah, that'll be about another year and a half or two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's on the second draft. So hey, you mentioned Jeff Darrow. I, I or Darrow. I have to as a comment on the screen. Your artwork is very reminiscent of his. I would say that. Okay. Uh, just give a little insight to that. Sure, I mean he's uh, he's an artist that I I re- I grew up artistically worshiping Mobius and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. and as I was getting out of school, there was he, uh, there was this other guy that he did a portfolio with called uh, City of Fire, and his name was Jeff Darrow. And mm-hmm. so then that's when um, that's when uh, oh goodness, what's the name of this? I only have an original from that series, Hard Boiled. Yeah, Hard okay, Boiled yeah. came out, and I was really knocked out by that. And I, to this day, I uh, I remain a, a fan of Jeff's, mm-hmm. and um, there's a lot of uh, uh, of inspiration that I take from his work. And um, yeah, not only that, I consider him a good friend. I, I I'd like to think that there's a oh no, I I don't, I don't need to think. I know that it's very easy to look at Jeff's stuff mm-hmm. and go, Carol. Oh, <laughs> And it's easy for someone else to look at my stuff and go, oh, I, that's some other guy. You know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I adore Jeff's work as an artist and as a person. He's a good guy. You, I mean, your, your guys' artworks, uh, there's, there's, there's you, there's Darrow, there's Mignola, Art Adams. Mm-hmm. You guys, there's, there's like a quintessent, uh, even, um, I want to say, maybe Miller's 90s stuff. But there's there's a there was a whole look that you get. I, I always find it fascinating is when I watch. I mean, you go back and look at how art evolves. They're like each decade has their own respective style. You guys yeah. are very much about very detailed work. Like that's we've kind of lost that a bit. I mean, it, we, I understand doing comic books. You're churning out a lot of pages, so you got to you know much like animation, kind of there's you got to you think about it. There's there's nine there's uh, ninety six pages mm-hmm. in a four issue series. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then that means. On each page, there's at least five panels. Mm-hmm. So ninety-six times five equals however many panels it tells it takes to tell a story, and mm-hmm. that's without uh, without the, the captions and stuff involved. So it it, it does take a lot of work. It mm-hmm. does separate the um, story theorists from the story practitioners, if you will. Mm-hmm. 
and um, perhaps that comes off as an elitist uh, statement, but I say that only because I understand now how much that takes. Mm-hmm. A lot of people start projects like that, and they go, oh, that's a lot of work, and I'm like, no kidding, you know? But uh, yeah, I, I feel very flattered to be put in that categorization with those guys. I mean, they're auteurs. I kind of feel like I'm a, I'm still kind of a growing auteur, if you mm-hmm. will. But uh, yeah, those guys were heroes of mine who sort of become sort of cohorts, clubhouse mates and whatever. So we see each other and we'll be like, hey, how's it going? And generally, the thing that I like most about them is that we don't talk about our stuff. Mm-hmm. We just talk about you know stuff you guys like. Yeah, I saw Varon the Unbelievable a few weeks ago. It was you know, <laughs> God, that was cool. Oh, and you got to see the raid, for example, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you know. And then um, we talk about what we like, and then eventually, sometimes, you know, like um, Mignolo will say something like, "I really like that river sequence in your last <laughs> your last comic." I'm like, "Thanks, man." You know, and I'll say I. That one bit, that poem in Hellboy in Hell, mm-hmm. I thought was really cool, and you know, um, there's uh, there's then there's stuff that I try to deliberately not do, and I, this is also very important. It's an important line between us mm-hmm. and between anyone who's creating. Like for Jeff, does the cool thing where he's my comic is three hundred ninety nine cents. Yeah, and I would lo- I would have loved to have thought of that, mm-hmm. but I I uh, I cannot do that because that's that's Jeff's gag, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah. You know? So, um, we spend a lot of time, or we have in the past anyway, talking about stuff like that and how we sort of influence each other. And um, it's nice. Uh, it's. I feel like I'm in... I'm the, I'm the Cub Scout in that in that Boy Scout outfit. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is there anybody's uh, art today, that like any artist today that you're kind of really like piqued by? I don't read a lot of comics. You don't read a lot of comics. I don't. Yeah, like I mean, this is there's so, and I don't say that out of disrespect to everyone that's doing stuff out there. Mm-hmm. There's just so many comics. There are. I know. I, I know. I sound so like I'm this girl. Oh, okay, yes. I, like I'm 51, so I can say that now. Okay, but when I was a kid, you know, I go mm-hmm. to the drugstore. One comic rack. And there was yeah. one comic rack, four sides, and that was it. And that's how I based, you know. And now you have eighteen hundred. Now there's I, I walked into the comic book store and I'm wars. just I'm overwhelmed. Then I can either sit there and look through each one of them, you know, or I can sort of you know pick and pick and choose based on familiarity. And I'm sure that there's the next generation of you know the Art Adams, they're the Jeff Darrow's, and the Mike Mignola's. But uh, I don't. Sadly, I don't know who they are. Perhaps that's a reflection of me, and I should. Think about that. There's some wonderfully drawn stuff that I, I will see, I do see online. I mean, the posing on some of those characters and the detail is really, really impressive. Really impressive. Yeah. Do your students ever recommend anything? They're like, you got to read this right now. Yeah, no, there's strangely, you know, that's kind of what we get into the whole idea of there's too many guys my age in comic mm-hmm. book stores and not enough kids, my students and my children's age. Games now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah you know. Walking in my son's room, son, yeah, dad. Well, you know, okay, you know, and they'll be and he'll be like, you know, talking to his friends, and that's an amazing thing, mm. right? It's not like in you, person, in person, mm. you know, uh, uh, the days of like running to somebody's house with uh, 
the I have the DC or I have the Marvel. They have the DC, and we swap or we mm. read. That's that took more effort back then. Right? Yeah. Again, I you know something. Well, there's even get off my lawn, guys. Yeah. Or, no. Uh, even me and like there's a point now where I you know I I I don't I, I'm nowhere near the gamer I was when I was a kid. Like I grew up on like the Super Nintendo era. Like your buddies would come over. There's two controllers, so you all switch, take turns playing something. Now it's like. Yeah, we got like forty people in this room right now. That's We're all sitting really, in our amazing. own individual room. That's really cool, though. Talking crap to each other. That's yeah. really. I, I must say that unless mm-hmm. somebody's an, a jerk, in, mm-hmm. uh, right? And I don't know if you could block him while you're playing or who. Or, yeah, or you can. Yeah, okay. there's colorful language that goes okay. in those rooms. But like, I, I think that's amazing. I find that to be amazing. But the one, the the facet of popular culture that's kind of losing out is the is the comic book. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad, sad that it's, you know. But I will say that I was at a very small convention a few months ago, mm. and it's cool because it's kind of one of those, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie All About Eve. Yes. It's an old, okay, that's a cool film. If you haven't seen that, that's a good thing yeah. to check out. That's sort of like the, they, that film came out the same year as Sunset Boulevard, mm-hmm. okay? So then, Sunset Boulevard is considered the horror movie of the two, <laughs> but... But uh, All About Eve is actually, in my opinion, the darker, more sincere story. Mm-hmm. Even though it's lit brightly. and Anyway, so um, yeah, I had an All About Eve moment where I was, at a, I was at a signing a few months ago. And this little boy comes up. And, you know, I don't know, he's 8, 10, mm-hmm. maybe. And he's with his mom. And his mom's like, you know, my son wanted to meet you. Mm-hmm. Like your comics. And I said, well, thank you very much. And we started talking about dinosaurs, and that kid knew more than I did. <laughs> flat out. And so um, uh, there's a species of crocodile <coughs> that are, that's in my new story. And I'm like, yeah, there's these crocodiles. <coughs> is it, oh, are they, is it the Arari Pasukas? I'm like, yeah, I think that's correct. And I tried to say it. He's like, and then he corrected me to explain the, the correct pronunciation for the Mm-hmm. The Egyptian crocodile from 95 million years ago. Mm-hmm. So you can see that 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 made me happy to see that there's there's people that are coming up that yeah. have the same sort of appreciation that could in theory watch Valley of Guanji and go, oh, that's that's cool. I like that dinosaur, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now uh, we're gonna bring up because uh, about a month ago, right, over it was about like last month the, the article was published. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you were here back in February, and... Uh, I'll take we, your word for that. Okay, we, we talked about your time working on the Devon film, mm-hmm. and since then, uh, Sci-Fi Japan released this massive, just examining piece on the, on the entire, uh, the entire, I don't want to say debacle, but just the, the, the journey of the what production. happened. Uh, the, the journey production. is a good word. Yeah, sure. the journey of the 94 film. Sure. So, uh, we had a lot of people, like, kind of like, it's like, oh, wow, it's like, did you know any, like, we had, I actually had people, like, hit us up, like, did you know any of this? It was like, what you hear on that podcast is exactly what Ricardo told us. So, mm-hmm. I don't know, because they, 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 they uh, the writer of the piece came and talked to you for a little bit, did he not? He did. Yeah. Uh, he's a uh, nice man in Keith Aiken, and mm-hmm. um, we had, I don't know if it was a non, was it an email discussion or an actual interview? I, 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 I forget. No, it might have been a phone interview. Mm-hmm. Forgive me, my my memory is not what it should be, perhaps. But uh, he asked me some pretty uh, specific questions, and mm-hmm. uh, I answered them as best as I could remember. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, yeah, yeah. 
But so. no, I mean, pretty much just drawn up because you know that thing. You know, one uh, one of the great things I took away from you is that you're a, again a very humble guy. So when uh, we were we were sitting here and uh, it, Mark and I still are like astonished by it. it's like uh, when you brought up it's like yeah I storyboarded that sequence like oh that, yeah I still got him nobody wants to see him. it's like what no they're in my garage they're rolled yeah. up somewhere in my garage well, like, and I was like, like, like what yeah it's like you had you had you had this bundle of information and mm-hmm. it's like it's just a matter of someone just had to politely ask you about it mm-hmm. and you know you opened up a whole door that very few people had any access to and now that there's like an immense like kind of appreciation once again for a project that never got off the ground but it probably has more following than half the other films that actually got made now. that's very funny i mean i i find that ironic i mm-hmm. i will say that um i enjoy the 2014 yeah, 14, 14, 14. Film, yeah. yeah i like that picture and mm-hmm. uh it there's a lot of good stuff in it um uh, but I'm, I guess I'm flattered to be part of, uh, all that 94 stuff back in the day. Well, like yeah. I said, you are very much ingrained into the, in, in, into the fandom now. I mean, your, your design pretty much for the longest time, that was like, I think your design came out even before, um, Stout, you know. Nah, Bill's was before mine. Oh, no, Bill's was, t- was before yours, but I don't, was there any, was there ever a release of that? Like any... Did anything ever make it out published wise before? It just a, a few um, shots from the storyboards were pr- mm-hmm. printed in various magazines at the time. I mean, this was, this was pre-internet. Mm-hmm. Um, in '98, he did uh, Bill Stout in Chicago at the G Fest. There, did a slideshow presentation mm-hmm. on the entire story yeah. of uh, the unmade Godzilla '83. But uh, I think there were a few magazines like uh, this. I think cult movies and psychotronic and was it the same like three boards that yeah had, like, it's the same like about the, the chasing the helicopter and stuff like that yeah and the and, the, um, and him on Alcatraz Island it's okay. the same ones were you know printed over and over again but for some reason those never really caught on like your designs did I think for the fact that G G fan published your 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 look when uh, the ninety eight film was getting uh-huh. ready to come out and that captured imaginations like never before because it was like you were, you were the first person to really conceptualize Godzilla in a manner that actually could be like you know this could look like a dinosaur just that would run around but it actually still retain the the, the monstrousness elements, the yeah. kaiju elements of it I think that the new one does as well mm-hmm. uh, there's certain facets of it the thing that I wish I would have thought of was the gills that I know. this new one yeah. has uh, that was which is like, so like my, subtle too it, it is subtle mm-hmm. and it's actually kind of built into the the lines of the neck and so you look at it and you have to really look for it to see it mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. I appreciated that I, I really did I thought that that was a very cool innovation and makes it reasonable for that thing like when I was a kid and I saw the uh, Raymond Burr version which mm-hmm. is a I think, uh, with the respect to the American version, it's an inferior version to the the Japanese cut, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, I, I was always like, well, so does Godzilla take a breath and sit down there for 20 minutes and come back down? <laughs> I don't know. Right? And such was my obsession with that kind of thing, you know? And now I, that, uh, that question has been solved in terms of this new iteration. Now, I want to be quite clear, like, while, while I'm here... Any kind of questions or controversies or contradictions, I'm more than happy to discuss. You know, I'm completely open um, mm-hmm. with the caveat that uh, my memory is not uh, perhaps what it should be, but I would, I'm interested in sincerely answering any, any of that stuff that you guys might have. I, I'm completely open to it. 
Well, I mean, pretty much. I mean, was we? I think we asked. Was you started with the the, the longer design, that first more dinosaurian? That it was a big color piece you did, right? There's another version before that. Really? Yeah, it's you, really horrible. Well, can you just give us a little kind of like insight? Yeah, it's like the bad version of that one. I mean, I, you no, say that with a smile too. No, 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 like, oh, I did a, I did a, I did a pencil rendering mm-hmm. a year before that one just to goodness. <laughs> did I? I don't know if I mailed that to Jan. Mm-hmm. Did I? I don't know. Because or maybe I piece, Jan in. has a lot of your stuff still. Well, God bless him. That's very <laughs> kind of him. I mean, you should throw some of that stuff away. No, away. no. Uh, if anything, like like Jones, it needs to be in the museum. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. uh, See, like, he's kind of blushing, but like he, like believe me, there's much, there's, much too humble. I mean, yeah, there is much too humble because this is it, we consider this treasure. Yeah. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank yeah, you. Like there, like there are people just like there because there's a whole generation that had very little idea. There, uh, if you read G Fan in the '90s, you knew about this project because part of it was like this is what we could have had to what we got from Sony. So there was. There was always that. It's like, there was always this right here. It's like, this came this close. Much like the Superman movie, much like the... I'm going to just say the Superman movie, the, the Burt one, because I don't want to say the Fantastic Four one, because I've seen that. And, uh, yeah, I've kind of... It's it's a wonderful mess. The uh, Did you ever see the Corman Fantastic Four movie? Yeah. Yes. I've seen stills from that thing. Right? It's a that glorious mess. <laughs> okay. But the Burton film, the, the Burton Superman film, The Superman Lives, mm-hmm. much, they're almost within like a year of each other of getting made. Hmm. The God, the 94 film, and I think the Burton film was 96. Okay. So they're, and they both came like that close to being made before the plugs were pulled on them. So there's like all, like the film is there, but it's just not there. Yeah. So they kind of live in this weird ether of like infamy where it's like. What could have been perhaps. What could have been. And then when you finally got, like the thing with Superman, we didn't get a Superman until 2006 after that. So there was that long time. It's like, okay, well, you know, this is what a modern Superman would have looked like. But with Godzilla, we got the Sony film, the Emmerich film right after that. And it's like, so we had a very good compare and contrast. It's like, they did this. This is what we could have gotten. And that's where it it really, this this film really kind of built a following a a bit. It's Mm -hmm. like... you have the Griffin character, which now we kind of know was supposed to be King Ghidorah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Griffin character in itself was a very unique creature. It was um, shades of the thing with, uh, you know, it was more mammalian than anything else that had been done before. Very too. much so. So you had more realistically done as well. Exactly. There's a there's a McCreary version as well. That's that I've seen really either drawings for or a sculpture of online. Yeah. How much did it? It didn't look anything like what Carlos did. Carlos (coughs) and Crash's designs were totally different. Yeah. 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 Carlos and I were in the same room. I mean, a room about this big uh, for months, and and we were kind of uniquely doing our own thing. uh, in a collective, if you will, like mm-hmm. he was sculpting the Griffin, and I was, uh, I, he was designing, sculpting the Griffin, and I was designing and sculpting, you know, my Godzilla. And um, uh, I think that what Carlos brought to it was a sense of um, there was there's a flair to his stuff that mm-hmm. um, really feels uh, uh, there's uh, unique, you know. Like I think you look the the most flattering thing you could say about. An artist is when you can look at their stuff and you know that that's that's that artist, if mm. you will. Yes. I think when you look at Carlos's work and Crash's yes. work mm. to a degree, I think that you not to a degree completely. You uh, you you recognize the work right away. Mm. You, they almost yeah. don't need, need to sign their piece. Yeah. yeah, and I, I think that 
to a much lesser degree is for someone like me, except for those three Godzilla drawings I did, the, the two crouching ones and the running one. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm very proud of those because I feel like a car... Like the stuff that you see in the in the article there, is it Sci-Fi Japan? Is that yes. what, okay? Like some of the early drawings I did, I I, I feel very like I I was not. Um, there was a few weeks early on, if not a few months, that I spent doing those exploratory drawings, and that's what I consider them to be. And they um, uh, are not very successful for a lot of reasons. The eyes are too big on the on the character. It still feels too. Um, un, um, unrealistic in terms it feels some of the shapes of especially of the head feel like they're capturing sort of like the brow and then sort of the chipmunk if you will mm -hmm. aspects of Godzilla's shape but they don't they don't come across as sort of modern interpretations that could at that point in time have competed with the Jurassic Park T-Rex if mm -hmm. that makes any sense yeah like if you look at the Jurassic Park T-Rex and that's what I did when I was designing the character, I just I kept referring to that, and there I mean there's a reason that the the Emmerich trailer does sort of smash down yeah. and, oh, and they're very much it, taking right? a jab at okay, it. Okay, they're taking a jab at it, but mm -hmm. that was a consideration for me, but more out of respect for that. Like there was a photorealism in that wreck sequence in the first Jurassic Park film that I felt like this design had to kind of emulate. Mm -hmm. So those early drawings were more exploratory in terms of shape and scale and. And they, they, I don't feel like they really summed up necessarily what what the character's possibilities were until I got to those three drawings. And it's funny you mention that because that kind of goes back to your what you were saying earlier about how certain things shape you know the movies after that, like Jurassic Park. Like yeah, you were talking about action, how the Bourne movies kind of changed action. Right. Jurassic Park very much changed how just in general. Like monster movies were done after that point. You had but, to believe them. Yeah, they're, they're, you had to believe that they were there, or like really seriously that mm. they were there. Like for example, there in Jurassic World, there's the scene where the the dying long neck dinosaur, which is yeah. a pretty cool sequence. Mm -hmm. You know, you can tell it's a puppet. You yeah. can tell it's a puppet, but yet it emotes enough so that you kind of believe it. Mm -hmm. But if that thing were to get up and start moving around, you can't fake that stuff. You, yeah. it has to be absolutely real mm. or. Um, or the, you lose the audience right away, mm -hmm. and that's kind of what I felt was cool uh, a lot about this this new version of Godzilla, the way it integrated with uh, the environments and the way it moved. You believe you believe that thing. I you, do, and I do believe they did smoke cap for that too. So uh, I don't know what they did. I stopped reading Cinefix <laughs> a long time yeah. ago. Yeah, I know. I do believe it was. I believe both the uh, the Mutos. Or at least the, the female Muto, for the most part, and Godzilla were mo-capped. They were cool. Yeah, because they, they, Andy Serkis did say he came in and worked on it, but he's like, no, I wasn't Godzilla, but I was there as a... Um, consultant. Consultant, pretty much. It's like how, you know, it's like, this is a monster. There's really no precedent in, in nature for it, so we got to give it some sort of believability to it. And, well, that's, and then that's, that's always the thing that's worked with the suits. The suits are there. You can always tell that there's a sense of weight to them because there's right. a guy in them, and they're... They're a hundred and fifty pound suit on it, so there's always mm -hmm. some heft to it. Right. So that's you know that that was the thing with this new one. You know, as big as he was, people kind of compared him to like a grizzly bear almost, where he's like walking upright with his hands kind of like lean down and kind of. I thought that was pretty bit. effective. I really yeah. liked it. There's a, I would say that one of the um, lost in the shuffle is the idea that the uh, eyes of the Mutos mm -hmm. are one of the coolest. Creature innovations I've seen in yeah. long it's, like, yes. it's almost like they're LEDs. Yeah, yeah. and yes. I just thought that was so cool. And again, 
Yeah, the movie is not Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. It's not, but it's it also... It delivers on what it, 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 it does what it's supposed to do, and mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun with it. And I, I watched that scene. I watched those close-up of the eyes, and, and again, as a creature designer, I just... I, I kind of slow mode through it, mm-hmm. and I was really impressed by that. I really was. Well, uh, one thing I would say is the fact that um, the Mutos, I, I like the designs, but they also felt like that, as, you, as we're going back to something, you know, kind of you know, sets the precedent of what we have to do, you know, henceforth. The Cloverfield monster kind of set forth like this wacky, kind of like thinner design. Which I like that design. A lot of people don't like the design, but I like I'm it. I'm one of those where I'm you not didn't like it. Well, because it's okay, man. Yeah, well, this thing because I've been seeing it in video games for a while. Like I would still watch, like I would see like uh, Resistance, and they were doing uh-huh. similar creatures like that. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like if you're going to do giant, if you're going to do something big, if you're going to you know do thin, you, you're going to have to go insectian, which you know. Having said that, I wouldn't have not. I would not have done that. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Like every designer who I think is worth his or her salt. Mm-hmm. Would would always look at a at a creature and say, well, whether they like it or not, they would all a good designer would say, I don't want to say I could do better than that. But a confident designer, mm-hmm. and I like a confident designer. If you're a director and you're hiring a creature designer mm-hmm. to design, say, a significant character in your story, you want some confidence behind that person, mm-hmm. okay? And so, as a creature designer with experience, I would want to. I would say, I liked. I like the creature in uh, Cloverfield. I like the movie, but that's not what I would have done. Mm-hmm. Just like uh, I would not have done that with the Mutos. I would have done probably a slightly different version of Godzilla if I, if that was my uh, if that was my assignment. But well, how would you go about? Like you're right there. I mean, we're it's it's all hearsay. So it's just yeah. this is all your opinion. So how would you have done it? Uh, I I don't know. I mean, off the off the top of my head, uh, mm-hmm. I felt like they. Um, perhaps incorporating a little bit more of uh, the insect stuff toward the end, like part of the designs of the Mutos, especially the legs feel very insect-like. Like yeah. if you look at, yes. I want to say like a dead. If you pick, if you yes. see a dead, uh, dead grasshopper. I was you know, say, the way that very... the, the way that the legs sort of fold up like that. Yeah, yeah like a shiny dead grasshopper. Very much so. I thought that was really yes. cool, and very... that would have tried to. Ex- Accentuate that. Now, as cool as the eyes were, mm-hmm. it does sort of take it out of the biology of this planet, if mm-hmm. you will. And I guess, and I, I would presume and hope that that would be elaborated more. Like the whole god myth, the whole mm-hmm. deity myth of these these creatures chasing each other around a primordial earth. You like know, radiate everything. Yeah, radiated. yeah. Like I, I, I think in a world where centipedes are the size of coffee tables, right? Like that. <laughs> Or giant moths fly, right? Because yeah, I guess is it Rodan or Rodan, Mothra, and Ghidra are all coming. One package so. deal, okay. Yeah, that would have been. I'd have loved to have seen like serious businessmen from mm-hmm. both sides negotiating <laughs> that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So instead of like, like Toho's on one side yeah. and Legendary's on the other well, side, we'll, it's give like, you, oh. we'll give you Ghidra for this, mm-hmm. but you know, I don't know if you can get the Batrigan for that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I find <laughs> like serious businessmen having in suits having that conversation with. I, I would have a lot of fun watching. It's like, well, we really want Anguilus. It's like, yeah, he's going to cost you extra, man. It's like, what are we having? Like, you got, okay, what do we got? No, no, no we, we can't afford exactly. it right now. Yeah, so exactly. maybe part three. Exactly. Exactly. But, no, well, it, that's, that's, that's fascinating. Because I, I, mean, I love hearing that. Like, you know, the in people's interpretations and stuff. Like, for me, like, the Mutos were, were great because they reminded me more of, like, um, what is it? Spiderhawks. Those wasps. Okay. You ever seen? So they're pretty much their big... Wasps are assholes of, of the of the insects. They're super kingdom. aggressive. Yes, 
So pretty much these things hunt spiders. They hunt like um, like larger. Like, they do. Yeah. yeah. And so pretty much that's what these things look like. You know, with you know with the wingless female, and then you got the male who just the claws going around, just hooking Godzilla in the mouth and stuff. Yeah, like that. I thought that was awesome. I mean, the sequence where they break out of where the first one breaks out of the of the the, uh, the containment mm-hmm. reactor thing was just a lot of fun and um the some of the stuff like the the guy getting pulled in the crane down into the uh mm-hmm. down to the pit was just uh, that was which just that was all Jurassic Park like yeah, no I, and I get that yeah. and I, but yet I, there it, all that stuff just creates an innate it does. Belie- believability yeah, in I'm, the, I'm not trying to say it in like a negative tone it's yeah, just like yeah. I'm sitting there like even the sound effect when the muto's claw grabs the uh, the wires it's like that's the T-Rex Right. Claw going across the, the the fence. There was certainly a lot of allusions to other stories. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I, you know, I enjoyed all that. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, it was, um, it was cool. Now I have to ask. I don't think I asked this last time. If you were to, if you were to give the assignment today, so pretty much, if the the Bond film was to be made today, and you were exactly, you were in the same position, but it's years later. Mm-hmm. Your mind today, would you? Would you change anything to that Godzilla design? Would, yes. Know, knowing what you do, so what would you I would make that? the textures more uh, less scaly, like, mm-hmm. and a little bit more like the patterns in the in some of the textures that you see in the '54 version, especially like bumps. along the neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like some of the stuff well, I, I saw along the back of the um, of this version mm-hmm. felt very crocodilian-like, and mm-hmm. that's cool. But I would have done that shape, but within the shape. More of the... I'm going to use the term volcanic. Okay. Okay, because some of the textures in those old suits kind of feel like mm-hmm. volcanic lines, like dry lava, if mm-hmm. you will, and less like scales. Exactly. Okay, being very specific. Very long ridges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would have taken those ridges and had some of them still feel volcanic, but still have your occasional scale or spine or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But in a, in a cool way that still feels biologically like a rep. Mm-hmm. character but yet still also harkens back to the original suit textures as well and um, I, I I do feel like um, the eyes on mine are, are a little too big and that's yeah. what I like yeah like big animals don't mm-hmm. worry about other animals yeah. you know little rhinos and stuff like that yeah, teeny tiny little eyes yeah we, I don't need to worry about mm-hmm. anything other than somebody shooting me I guess I don't mm-hmm. know but um, oh. Well, and the, yeah, like digressing. There's that whole thing where somebody went paid a bunch of money to go shoot a, rhino, a black rhino, and I was mm-hmm. just like, I was saddened by that. Yeah. Let's put it that way. But uh, anyway, large animals, you know, mm-hmm. do not need large eyes, and I would have made my eyes a little bit smaller, mm-hmm. and the, and the perhaps the tail would have would still be the same, but with more of the textures and the. Like the segmentation of the Godzillas of the mm-hmm. past, but within some of those more familiar textures. I think back then I just kind of did some scale circles and whatnot. And I, I think I'd want to have a little bit more of a mix between what I did and what um, what the um, what the original version was like. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah. I, oh, see, I, I, love, see, I love hearing this kind of stuff. Well, sure. I mean, the, and I I really feel like it's a healthy thing to mm-hmm. have. Like I haven't gone back to look at very specifically some of the stuff like I will say the the stuff what I didn't like about the new design mm-hmm. it it for lack of a better term it has brontosaurus feet oh the sauropod feet yeah. yeah yeah and I would have splayed the toes out a little bit more to make the to make it more believable that the tail could actually push 
the animal through the water. Mm -hmm. Okay, but there's that really cool shot yeah. where the where he's underwater and he's mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm going to lose you guys. Yeah, right? he dives. And yeah. so then, so the underwater cameras capture him swimming away. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I just thought that was such a cool shot. But I would have made the tail feel like it could actually propulse the animal through the water a little bit more. I feel like the, the, the tail right now is a little too short. You think so? Oh, that's wow. that's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Everything looks chibi to me, so yeah. I'm like, I like no, it. No, like there's definitely, <laughs> like there's a compactness to the yeah. body yeah, 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 that yeah. I really like. It feels very strong and mm. almost, it's bear-like, it's wolverine-like, it's tiger-like from here in, yeah. you know, jaguar-like, if you will. Like mm. jaguar's a more robust version of the leopard, yeah. right? Okay, so there's a, the iguana, and then there's a Komodo dragon, which is mm -hmm. kind of a more yeah. robust version. Mm -hmm. Even though one's in, you know, uh, carnivore and one's an herbivore, there's just the more that that Godzilla design got that in spades. That was mm -hmm. really cool. But the tail, I thought, kind of uh, made it tough for me to think that it could swim using that tail. Having said that, I feel like that's a quibble because mm -hmm. there's a lot about the design. I really, really like the eyes are really tiny, mm -hmm. yeah. and that's very cool. I like that a lot. Now, what, how are uh, what? What's your preference for the spines? Do you like the spike or do you like the? Okay, more I feel the like the spines. Mm -hmm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> He's thinking into it. No, no, no. Like I like the spines that just go back a little bit. If like mm -hmm. if here's the if the head, mm -hmm. the the spine should kind of gracefully a little bit go off toward the end of the tail, if you will, mm -hmm. just a little bit. These on uh, the new Godzilla just go straight up mm -hmm. instead of being slanted and, slightly. Instead of being having a little bit of a curve, if yeah. you reach one of them, and that's what I that's what I would have done. And, uh, but honestly, you know, it's still that's the like if it's a cool if it's if the if it's a cool Godzilla, but the story sucks, then who cares? Exactly. I feel like the story is is fun enough. Yeah, I mean, I've seen people send me stuff like. YouTube videos where like here's eight minutes of Godzilla right mm -hmm. in that movie. Yeah, I'm like okay, but nonetheless, I was I was compelled. You were you were entertained. You got I, I was yeah. I was. I was. That seemed to be a nitpick with a lot of people with that film. It's like he's only in for like eight ten minutes. I'm like go watch most of the Toho films. It's like there there's there's twelve to fifteen minutes of special effects all together in those films. Tons so. of scientists arguing about yeah. gargantua scales, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You know, and but times have changed. Mm -hmm. I want to see more. And, and that's that's less cool. people. <laughs> that's cool, but the interaction of <laughs> creatures of that size with water mm -hmm. is a budgetary issue. It that's true. Is. It is a budget. That's issue, why though. a lot of the Pacific Rim stuff is at night. They don't want to say that, but <laughs> it's because it's it's so expensive <laughs> to have that shoot that stuff during the day. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a secret that there's certain well, there's reasons why special effects are done at night. That's so. right. That's right. Uh, I don't think I asked you this last time either. Do you have a favorite non-Godzilla Toho film? Like in Toho... Yeah, uh, War of the Gargantuas. War of the Gargantuas? Yeah, easily. Oh, God, That's a cool story. It's a cool period. It's like mm -hmm. a cool story. Uh, very simple. Mm -hmm. It's it's also the Frankenstein story, but mm -hmm. it's also you know Remus and Romulus and Cain and Abel mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Like mm -hmm. I, I, it, And... Again, there's more screen time for yeah. the monsters in that picture than there is. Yeah, than there is in a lot of the other films. It's a very human like. I mean, it's just it's too yeah, good. They to have that. a lot of personality, unlike a lot of other monsters, mm -hmm. where they're just like the monsters. Yeah, like yeah. they're almost animals, and these mm -hmm. guys, they feel, you know, like feel like characters yeah, more than the others. Primus Prince, they like they took Bigfoot and just enlarged them. Well, and then that's 
Am I wrong? This is that's a direct sequel to Frankenstein to the, Fran- the world, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. The American version cuts that out. They they take out the references to the Frankenstein monster, but if you watch the Japanese versions, yeah, they're very much like so the because the they do make direct reference to the cells of Frankenstein. They do creating both the brown gargantua and then the the cells. I think the the main Frankenstein cells create the brown one, and the brown yeah. ones cells get slopped off because they talk about the regeneration of the mm-hmm. Frankenstein had and those washed out to sea and form like mess with plankton that's why you have the green well that was supposed to be because the original ending of Frankenstein Conqueror's World had Frankenstein being dragged into the ocean by, by the, the giant, giant octopus, octopus. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. corpse became the, the green gargantua okay and uh, the cells that were slept off in the forest became mm-hmm. the, the brown gargantua but that's why that's why it did when they found it it was a bit of yeah because it was a little tiny little thing just found it individual cells mm-hmm. whereas the body of the what of the sea mm-hmm. just became the new green one. Green one. Yeah. Science is sound. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he finds an octopus at the end, at the beginning too. Yeah. So no, yeah, I, I, that's that's I like that one a lot. I mm-hmm. had a lot of. I, have, I actually own that one. Uh, non Godzilla. I like Rodan as well. The, the ending is very poignant. Mm-hmm. It is very. Yeah. It's heartbreaking in mm-hmm. a way. Yeah. I mean, after all this, all the destruction they. Oh caused. yeah. Well, yeah. we're gonna total the world, but in the end, and that's what I mean about like if you can get. Emotion out of yeah. a story like that, and um, that kind of takes me back to another film, another two films, but they're American. It's like uh, Twenty Million Miles to Earth and Beast of Twenty Thousand Fathoms. Like, very yes. like they move movies. you. You know, they yeah. get shot down from the Coliseum and it moves you. You know, but yet mm-hmm. it still was an animal through the whole story. You know, and the same thing with the Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms, as well. Like it kind of felt uh, like an animal through and through and when it died it uh, it, it was moving it was cool well, that, well, that, yeah. that, well, that, was, that was the beauty back then like Harryhausen films and Toho films like they made the monsters weren't just the like the, the crux of the story like the monsters were characters in the story right like all the Godzilla all the Toho films all the monsters had personalities they all had it's something unique about them mm-hmm. uh, Harryhausen did that beautifully with all his creatures too very like, much the so. Yerm, uh, was it Ymir? the Ymir the yeah. Ymir yeah very much had like a per, as it grew, it became more aggressive, but it you know anthropomorphizing him to a bit, yeah. But it was still like you 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 got the feel, you thing. got the sense that it was hunted through the whole story, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and, and like the, and you wonder how would it have acted if people hadn't been hunting it down and shooting it. Yeah, it just let it right. be. You know, it's like yeah, it was going to probably eat a few things here yeah. and there, like just some livestock, but. Other than that, you know, he left it alone. Might have just, you know, just gone and hung out in the countryside. Apparently, there's like uh, when you watch it on DVD. I keep choosing the widescreen version of, of that movie, mm-hmm. but apparently, there's like the wider format actually shows you more of the picture. Yeah, the, the, the yeah, widescreen yeah, version yeah, yeah. Just does it yeah. just does this unless you see less. So I gotta I gotta watch it again. Yeah, it would be. I think Beast and Twenty Thousand Fans did that too. Like, they, oh really? They stretched the aspect on the on the DVD release. Okay, so. Hmm. But, uh, I mean, if anything, I don't know. Did you ever see Them, the Ant movie? That's, that's a fantastic picture. It is. Yeah. But it's, like, it's one of the few examples of where the monsters are just that. They're just big monsters. But the story is so damn it's good. It's so tight. That, yeah. that it's like, okay, yeah. So I, I, can't hear, I can't hear a loose fan belt without thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like me at work. I hear, whenever we, we turn on the air host, I hear Mechagodzilla. Because that's what Mechagodzilla yeah. is. There you, like, there you go. There you go. All right. Well, you know what? Um... Anything else I got off the top of my head? So you know, what? I th- I think right now I think we're good. Okay. So do you have anything you want to promote before we wrap up this episode? Nah, not really. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, my silly comic is out, and if you like dinosaur, you should read it. And if you don't, that's okay too. 
awesome. I know you like your anonymity, but will you be at any places in the future? If you were uh, doing signings and people were I will be so at, likely to hunt you down, yeah, no, see you face to face. I will be at the, the San Diego Comic Con. Um, I do not have a table. I was telling you all before this. Yes, um, he does not I, have a table, people. I, I, I signed up for a table, but I withdrew. I I prefer just kind of walk around and do my thing, but I will be there on Friday at the Dark Horse booth, I think 12 to 1, something like that. You check the schedule if you're going out there. And you have a blog, if I'm... Yeah, ricardodelgadoart.blogspot.com, and you're, I usually update it four, four or five times a week, and yep. there's a lot there's of uh, dinosaur days. stuff these yeah. days, so needless yep. to say. Fantastic stuff. Well, Funny, you mentioned Comic Con because Jessica and I will be there as well. Oh, awesome! Okay. Yes, Jessica, we will be do you there. Want to tell what, what we're going to be doing there. We can announce it because now it's officially on the site, mm -hmm. so there is no penalty against yeah. us. <laughs> uh, the Kaiju Kingdom podcast will have our fir uh, first San Diego Comic Con live podcast. It will be on Saturday from 1 to 2 at mm -hmm. the San Diego Central Library, and we have the auditorium. So, yeah, it's that big dome thing that they built in downtown San Diego right behind Petco Park. Right behind Petco Park. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, you're just like, <laughs> really? Is that new? That's It's about a year old now, but they, they just finished construction on it last year. So this is the first time this it's year. It's beautiful. It looks like an aviary or yeah. something. Yeah, it like looks like an gorgeous. aviary. But yeah, the upstairs is going to be a Comic-Con museum, which is actually open right now. You can go down there and check it out. But the, oh, wow. they have two yeah. rooms and a main, I guess, what, a main showroom? Yeah, they, they have an auditorium and they have all these smaller rooms in which also mm -hmm. other panels can be at. Yeah. And our guests are Chris Mowry mm -hmm. from Mighty W. Powerful Chris Mowry. And also Colin Bunn. Great Colin which, Bunn. Yes, which is all, he will also be our guest. He's we got also, a Voltron book coming out. He does! I can't believe it. He that. does. <laughs> um, and also we have some special guests coming. And one of the main things is if you come, Chris has limited edition things for you guys. So, yeah. so everyone that shows up are, are going to get a limited edition button of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. So you go up, you go there, you grab it. But for though there will be 10 lucky individuals. It's all going to be by random. You'll get a special button. You'll know when you see it. And uh, those people at the end of the sh at the end of the show will get a limited edition uh, lithograph that we are producing. That um, do you want to kind of mention who did it? Yes, Matt Frank did it. Matt Frank has done it. We're we're putting some finishing touches on it. These are printed lithographs, so we're not just like putting them through a printer. Like we got we got someone silk screening these things, so they oh, will be wow. very limited. So we're not going to make any more once they're done. So um, if you show up, good chance you can get one of those. I will probably do a few of on a button, maybe for you know while I'm walking around. So if you follow us on the uh, Kaiju Kingdom, the Kaiju Kingdom on Twitter, just follow me. Uh, I'll be hanging around Comic Con all week. But somehow so. he gets reception and I do not. Yes, <laughs> uh, on our phone. Verizon, I don't Verizon know why. Verizon, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you follow me every once in a while. I'll be randomly just tweeting out because uh, for the Realmcast too, I think we'll be giving out a few things as well. If you just find us because yeah. my my buddy George mm -hmm. has. Cowboys and Aliens did it, and he fell in love with the concept of doing like the scavenger hunt stuff. So, oh, cool! So we 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 go, we hit the streets, we hit the uh, the, the shenanigans that are just all downtown now. So if you find and us, gas lamp district. hey, we're hanging out on E and Six right now. Come, you know, we'll get a few buttons or something like that. So That's cool. Come find us there. Uh, are you gonna be there Saturday? I will be there Friday and Saturday. Mm -hmm. Friday is the uh, is the signing. Uh, ironically, on Star Wars Day, which means no, one, no one's going to show up. <laughs> well, to people my will be there, sir. Come on, there's so, 120,000 people. Okay, there. and so then, only six get to get into that panel. Well, so. uh, 
<laughs> yeah, that's the sad truth, but people don't realize it. Yeah, you're only six thousand people are getting into that. So, but uh, I'll, be, I'll be there on Saturday as well. That, yeah, so you're there for the, okay. You should. Saturday, Sunday is get out of town day, so yes. I won't be there Sunday. Very much so. So yeah. I, I got some stuff to tell you after when we okay. sign off because we can't. We have more that we can't announce yet, but please, if you show up, you are going to be pleasantly surprised. We are finalizing. <laughs> We're finalizing guests. things right now, so and you know things. we have yeses for a lot of things. We just need to get them kind of in writing. But you know, if they follow through, your your socks are going to be blown off. So cool. even Chris Mowry was just like, I can't believe I'm on this panel, man. But <laughs> it's like I just write a comic book, like so. We're not trying to toot our own horn, but we do want people to show up. So you do absolutely yes. good for you guys. You do good stuff. Yes. So uh, on that note, Mark, you won't be in San Diego, but where are you going to be? While you guys are in San Diego, I will be in Chicago at G-Fest 22. Mm. Which is where Matt Frank is. Where Matt Frank and Jeff Zorna yeah. will be. Yeah, so uh, Matt Frank is there because Maori is here. Mm. Yes. So is G-Fest and Comic-Con the same weekend? The same yes. Week. There's a lot of times they, they, they coincide. <laughs> yeah, it happens a lot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> next year, hopefully, the, I'm home, I want to try to get out next year. And what, They just released the dates for San Diego. They're back towards the end of July next year. Okay. So, so I think that there'll be time to do both next year. Oh, so. okay. All right, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, Mark, what will you be doing at G-Fest? Uh, I'll be giving a couple of presentations uh, on my documentary, Kaiju Gaiden, which mm-hmm. is still in, in the uh, post-production process. But I'm going to be giving a Kaiju Gaiden preview, uh, the highlights of which are a brand new 28-minute trailer. It's, the director calls it a trailer, but mm-hmm. it's a 28-minute cut, basically. Yeah. It's a show. It's a it's a promo reel. Yes, of uh, Wolfman versus Godzilla, mm-hmm. sent, sent to me by director Shizo Nakajima, and uh, I did get this just recently, and uh, it will be shown on Saturday and Sunday mm-hmm. at G Fest. Also, uh, a brand new trailer which I haven't received yet because I did show one last weekend at Godzilla Night Four in uh, San Leandro. But a new trailer will be provided by director Shinji Hayashiya mm-hmm. uh, of his new film, <laughs> the third in his uh, trilogy. You got to see one. <laughs> Ricardo's face is like, wait, what is this? He's <laughs> just like, hold on a second. They made a convention out of the '94 movie. No, I'm no, hearing that yeah, correctly. No, 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 I'm hearing that incorrectly. Yeah. No, Godzilla okay. Night Four. Yeah, so night four. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> okay. They were like, no, just that one year, people. Was yeah. super <laughs> important. Okay. I'm gonna, the other highlight is the uh, premiere of a new trailer of Deep Sea Monster Raga versus, uh, versus Lava Beast Oga from Shinpei Hayashiya. So, and this is a different trailer from the one that was put on. Yes, this so be a brand showed, new, yeah. Because you showed it in, in San Leandro, and yeah. then literally like two days later, he put it online. Put it online so. Yeah, but I was promised by uh, Mr. Ayashia that he's going to provide me a whole entirely new trailer okay. for G-Fest. So he pretty much, he probably, it sounds like he's got closer to like a, a, a final cut of the film. So, Well, I mean, they, they just started shooting special effects. Oh, scenes. wow. Okay. I mean, the, the, the suit for Oga's not even finished yet. Really? They're just doing uh, some puppet scenes and some other, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not going to be done until next summer. Okay. Because, yeah, they used to, they were talking about, like, maybe doing something next year with G-Fest, or... Well, the tentative plan is uh, okay. for both films to be ready for G-Fest. Oh, wow, okay. So Interesting. You got to see some of this stuff. So. I would, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so if you're in... So, if you can't make it to Comic-Con, and you're going to be in Chicago, go check that out. Believe me, I've seen the Wolfman stuff. Oh, Mind-blowing. 
It is awesome. And you guys showed it to me last time. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Oh no, they've they've they cleaned it up. They've actually added new effect. Like they've they cleaned up the effects and oh, stuff wow. like that. They cool. they've done some uh, rotoscoping for the fire breath and everything. It looks color correction. Color correction. It looks amazing. It's, yeah, you can't believe it was shot on eight millimeter. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This okay. is it's a that's oh, an awesome piece of, of like lost art that's now finding its way out there. So. Do check that out if you're in San Diego Saturday. The library. I'll have it in the uh, the, the notes. Uh, do check that out. Um, on a side note, I've had some people asking me about the uh, Chayo event. I don't know any new information because these people have not given me it. I, I've been hit up about well, what's going on? This I'm like I don't know. I've just showed up to the press event. I will be doing one thing as I have turns out a lot of audio from the press event. So I'm going to be putting a video together for this whole Ultraman thing. So. Uh, I know a lot of people are like, wait, some people weren't even uh, keenly aware of the, the controversy around it. So I'm going to be putting up uh, just the audio so you guys can get a better idea of what uh, Paula and I <laughs> sat through. There's no video uh, no, no video to it. I have pictures. So I'll be putting pictures. This will be YouTube exclusive. I'm not going to release it's it. It's a slideshow. It's there. a slideshow pretty much of me kind of explaining what's going on. Because a lot of it was my recorder sitting in front of me. I'm just like, let's see where this goes. So I didn't have a camera with me, uh, but it was uh, a unique experience to say the least. In Hollywood, in a nice Thai restaurant, as a lot of people are eating, uh, you know, spicy, you know, beef and talking about Ultraman. So <laughs> it was a weird experience, and so can't get better than that. <laughs> no, you can't. Oh my God, it was something. All right, well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. So for myself, Jessica, Ricardo, and Mark, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.